Is this the War and Beast podcast? I think it must I be. I, I don't know. I just I just kind of stumbled into the spaceship. Yeah. I think it was, and, and and I just I, I it looks. I mean, I, you guys are all War and Beast, so, so I mean, and we're, I'm War and Beast, so I guess this is War and Beast. <laughs> feels right. It sort of feels like an old jacket that you put on that you haven't worn in a while. Like a bath in a CR chamber. Greg, why were you in that junkyard for the last year and a half? It's a long story. Come on, Greg's optimist. We've gone over this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I had Marky Mark saving my butt. Okay, okay. I don't know. Okay, I'm I'm sorry. I was going with him not having a memory, which would be bubbly. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, but for anybody who is listening, and we hope that folks are, uh, this is the War and Beast podcast, the reunion show. It's yeah. been a while. If uh, you're wondering why, you know, you subscribed to us and you forgot to unsubscribe while we showed up on your feed again, that's why. I'm in a reunion episode. But uh, for I'm any surprised. of the new listeners, because we, we do get notifications still, we're still on Facebook and Twitter and whatnot. I'm not trying to shamelessly plug those anyway, um, but we do get new people who join us on that from time to time. So thank you to all the new listeners since we stopped doing this. Oh, my God. It's been, what, a year now? So, yeah, a little over a year. At least, yeah. Oh, my. Uh, but yeah, a lot's happened. Uh, Bumblebee came out, and guess what? That's why we're here. Yeah, and we're like recording this like several months late, but that's because <laughs> we have issues going to theaters. Some of us, <laughs> but we also all love Bumblebee. Yeah, yeah. So we at least the we, character. <laughs> but we finally all got to watch it. Uh, I sat down and watched it on. Uh, I think it was Tuesday. No, it was Sunday. It was sometime this week. Days go by. I'm yeah. Gonna, um, but yeah, I watched it. Uh, Kendall, you saw it in theaters, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, I did. And it came out, in case you guys forgot, this movie came out like, it came out the same weekend as Aquaman and the week after Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, yes. Ooh. Yeah. It's not a good time for it. No. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's why, I think that's why this film kind of went a a little bit under the radar. I think it got, it got the appreciation. Eventually people figured it out, but, uh, yeah. but it, it went a little bit under the radar, at least initially. Mm-hmm. 
but I wouldn't I wouldn't say that it was a disappointment or a failure by any stretch. No, I mean they've even talked about doing a sequel. So. Yeah. Oh my god! You know what I did? We did the intro, and I didn't even intro- for anybody who's like, "What the hell is the Warren Beast yeah. podcast?" Uh, I'm Greg. Uh, the Warren Beast Podcast was a podcast that we started a few years ago to review Beast Wars, and then we moved on to Beast Machines. And now we're doing this because we haven't done anything in a little over a year, and we wanted to do this. Uh, so I'm Greg. Uh, I've got Emily with me. Hello. Uh, Emily, of course, you if if you're listening to this, more than likely you are listen you've listened to Teenagers with Attitude or one of the <laughs> multiple podcasts on the Audio Entropy Network. Uh, we also have Kendall. I'm Kendall. And Kendall, uh, he's got the poll list going on. He has the Kendall, uh, the Kendallcast feed. Uh, Kendallcast.ninja, I believe, is still your website, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, I'm gonna. If we're doing this, I'm gonna make sure we hit it. Okay. So, yeah. So we got. Yeah. Everything is on Kendallcast.ninja and the Kendallcast feed on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever. Um, I just set up independent feeds for uh, Beyond Bulbasaur, which I do with Jordan and uh, and some and Je- and Je- and Jesse Cooper, uh, and uh, he and we talk about a random Pokemon every week. And then I have that's what we call music with a question mark. Uh, also, just got its just got its own feed. Uh, we're forty five episodes in on that one. Uh, we talk about we're talking about the. Uh, it's a song by song review of the that's what we call music uh, catalog. And then this year in the run up to Rise of Skywalker, uh, some friends and I are doing a roundtable discussion. Uh, this one's on the Kendallcast feed of every uh, of every Star Wars movie. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm running a little bit late on posting the June episode, but it should be up here by the time this uh, podcast uh, uh, posts. So that, that which is uh, the Rogue One episode. Nice. And then, as Kendall alluded to just a few moments ago, we've also got Jordan. Hello, Jordan. You've done so. You've on, you've been guesting on TWA. You've been on Alphabet Alphabet Flight. If yep. that's the name of it. That's Jesse's. Yeah. Yes. Um, you had your own podcast. I, I. It's yeah. I was going to mention that I do have what's McCracken, and we are intending to pick it back up it's just on an extended hiatus uh as because as you know kind of a whole confluence is with the uh i've actually mentioned it i think once or twice on other podcasts about my eye situation to others i'm not sure if it was on one of the ones i've guested on or there but i know i've mentioned it mm-hmm. but it it kind of has thrown a monkey wrench and it has made uh, things and it I, to be honest i'm actually a little sad because i still have in the can the bonus episode i did with cameron oh, no. crystal and and monica from the book of medora i i feel really bad and i'm almost feel like i'm gonna have to put like out an apology thing when i post that one never uh, apologize no <laughs> it's, one of those, okay. it's one of those it's like a fine bottle of wine you're just waiting for it to age the, the fun thing about that, though, is that we did it. We did it on an episode of Kirby, and one of the friends of the network on the Discord channel has started up their own podcast about the, that Kirby series. Oh, that's awesome! So that's, yeah, so that's kind of that's kind of neat. Like it, it was just like you know, 
coincidence thing, but it's just kind of funny that someone else has also started watching that series and talking about it while we just did the first episode for fun. Wait, so you got the Zelda crew together and you reviewed a Kirby series? <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I guess they already covered the TV show on their own, so. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so we are here to talk about the Bumblebee movie. Uh, for anybody who's been listening to the previous episodes, obviously you all know that we're fans of Transformers, and that's what this podcast is about. So, that being said, Kendall, I have no idea if you're going to read anything from IMDb. Um, <laughs> I figured I would just let you have it and see where it went. Okay. So there's 71 items in the oh IMDb my God. trivia. <laughs> I'm not going to read all of them, but I'll I'll read the I'll I read mean, the first few. Fortunately, <laughs> fortunately, I, I would not let you read. No one, I, I no no, you cannot read all of them. Obviously, <laughs> so I'm pretty sure this is more than the entirety of the Be- of the Beast Wars series. Like the when we did the one episode where uh where I went in to the all of the Beast Wars trivia, um. But fortunately, they put them in order of, like, most useful to least useful. So I'll just read the first few. Um, so with a budget of 102 to $128 million, this is the least expensive Transformers movie to date. Uh, parts of the film were shot at Mare Island Naval Shipyard in Vallejo, California, simultaneously with 13 Reasons Why 2017. Some of the scenes involved pyrotechnics and helicopters causing the 13 crew to have to wait between filming takes so that the loud special effects wouldn't disrupt the onset sound recording. Uh, Bumblebee's wow. alternate mode in this feature was Volkswagen Beetle, his original mode in the Transformers 1984. His robot design, short and compact with horns and a faceplate, based on the Transformers 1984 and Transformers Animated 2007 versions. Throughout the movie, there's several clips of The Breakfast Club 1985 shown, specifically the end when Judd Nelson's character leaves the school and Fisk bumps the sky fist bumps the sky i've never heard that described that way um, <laughs> judd nelson was in the transformers the movie 1986 is the voice of hot rod slash rodimus prime also in transformers animated uh his first live action transformers that michael bay did not direct but fortunately he stayed on board as a producer uh, uh in this film transformers take on a more classic look of the original cartoon series i'll just do one more Haley Steinfeld was not born until nine years after the setting of the film and had to be taught how to use some typical items of the 80s era, such as how to work a Walkman, which was completely foreign to her. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's good. (laughs) I feel really old. Well, I mean, she looks like they definitely got an actress who, like, looks like the age of the character they're portraying. Like, she she can't be much older than 18. Yeah. And she's supposed to be 18 in the movie. Oh man, that that kind of so reminds of course me. she doesn't know about the eighties. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of that episode of Cowboy Bebop where you see a bit of Faye Valentine's background, mm. you know, where she like wakes up and he has, she was like in the stasis and they wake her up and she points out objects there, saying what they are, and the guy talks and the guy says, "Well, you're completely wrong. That's a washing machine." And it, and like basically says like everything you thought was the high tech was the high tech of the twenty like 20 whatever is actually of tw- like 2170 and they're even more high tech and do different things. <laughs> so uh, she was born December 11th, 1996. Uh, so she's um, 20, was that? Tw- 22. Like 20, 22. Yeah. Well, she's just like a couple of years older than my yeah. son. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, so that means the film takes place in 85. Jeez. Yeah. I thought it was 87. Feeling really old. 
Feeling old. Oh, I math wrong. No, you're right. It's 87. It's yeah. Nine years. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember it from the movie being like, Earth, 1987. Because right. I, I ended up watching the movie like three times. I first saw it on an airplane. And then I and then I liked it a lot, so I wanted to show it to my 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 wife and my mom. So we watched it again. And then how Jordan watched it was we watched it together. <laughs> so I've seen it. it was yeah, fun. <laughs> it's a good movie. It's, I I yes. it was not hard watching it three times. <laughs> <laughs> now the plane that you were on was that also a transformer? Uh, not that I know of, but you you really never know. Yeah, that's true. They are robots in disguise. It, it certainly didn't try to kill us, so I guess it, it was an Autobot if it was a Transformer. That's true. <laughs> I feel like a passenger jet would probably be an Autobot. Mm. The only Autobot that I can remember that looks like a passenger jet is that Skylink's guy. Yep. Although I think he was like a space shuttle. and then Yeah, he was more of a space shuttle, but there was times <sighs> when, it, when his, his plane mode reminded me more of a passenger jet for some reason. Might have been the stickers. Yeah. But yeah, as as folks can tell, we're sort of kind. Well, <laughs> I grew up on G one. Some of us are familiar with G one. Some of us, maybe more so than others. <laughs> I mean, if if, if, if if you're listening on our feed and you're going through it, like they've they've heard us, and we actually talked about the Bumblebee movie before it came out with uh, yes. Lady K's uh, news feeds. Like she would give us all the top Transformers news. Uh, so. Yes. Really, this episode has been a long time coming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I will say, I will say, uh, just to, to sort of, I guess, give give a Transformers update for me. Um, I since the end of War and Beast, I've kind of done a deep dive on uh, a bunch of Transformers comics. I'm I'm reading the current series and read a good chunk of the sort of prior to the reboot uh, IDW stuff, and then Jordan and I actually had just done. Uh, a Silverbolt book club, uh, which is a periodic, it's not, not quite a show on the Kendall cast feed that, uh, where we talked about the first volume of the comic. Um, so I was like totally in on the aesthetic here and I could totally like recognize a bunch of the, a bunch of the characters, um, like kind of the background characters. I can't, I forget who they are now, but I could (laughs) recognize, I could recognize them. I was like, that's that guy. And that's that guy. Um, I mean, most notably, like you see RC at the beginning. Yeah, and Wheeljack, and that's all I can think of. But that's, yeah, <laughs> but it's just like I felt like RC in particular is a character that character design would never have shown up in the in the Michael Bay movies. No, not like that. Yeah, uh, I love how they look in this movie because it's a really good like blending of bay with the g1 designs that like yeah. is perfect like and actually that is a good well darn it because i forgot we need to check the transformer wiki <laughs> i was gonna say that's a perfect segue into the start of the film <laughs> but well i'll try i'll try <laughs> um unfortunately like with kendall there's a lot of stuff on here and i'm going to actually do my best not to do a you know, do what I do want to pick out some of the choice references and like little neat asides that they put. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is one big thing. Uh, I think it might come up. I don't know if any of you've noticed uh, the whole because the article tends to go on about it a lot. Is it how this kind of changed from a prequel to a stealth reboot? 
Like yes. that 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 was an actual change that happened in the production of the movie. Like it happened in midway. So there's a lot of stuff that talks about that, and I might you know point out some things in that while we're, when we go over it. But but I figured we w- would probably want to talk about some of that more at the end when after we've you know got our thoughts and feelings about the movie yeah. done. Uh, but there are kind of like some other like neat little things that you know they pointed out that I wanted to say like well for one thing is that uh it says specifically that we see like cybertronian seekers at the beginning and that they were inspired by the tetrajet modes from the first generation one episode like the original first episode uh they uh, when we were watching that you pointed out right away you're like oh my god the jets from the original show yeah (laughs) uh shockwave showed up and his eyes flicker very subtly during his brief line of dialogue like it does in generation one um it's been said that shatters uh according to travis knight was based on nightbird which was actually this like robot ninja (laughs) lady that was that was made in in the comic series i think but she's 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 had like more iterations and more developed character from since that very first you know uh, yeah, first although showing. I want to say I oh, think the Nightbird. Oh, it is in yeah, Nightbird does show up in. I I want to say it's either season two or season three, but it's only one episode, and it's a really weird episode. Hmm. It, has, it has to do with like a face being stolen and stuff. Sounds like G one. Yeah. <laughs> um. I just thought it was funny that uh, someone mentioned that uh, Blitzwing drops a firmanism, like some certain ch- scene ch- scenery shooting di- megalomaniacal dialogues that Steve Furman tends to use a lot in his Transformers dialogue, and that would be the die screaming line that he mentions uh, when fighting Bubblebee. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and Memo is is reading a copy of the GoBots magazine. <laughs> and it's it's noted that... weird. While, <laughs> it's mentioned that uh, while the issue he's reading is not, not an actual one, because there was actual five real-life issues of that, but they purposely made it to uh, emulate the cover style down to the collector poster inside cover tag. And supposedly in the deleted scene, Memo even theorizes that Bumblebee is actually a GoBot. God... <laughs> That's that's hilarious that GoBots are a fictional canon thing in the Transformers yeah. movie world. So makes sense. Uh, it's like it's like Batman being a fictional character in Marvel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's a couple of interesting real life things as well that they pointed out. Uh, this one I missed, but I thought it was actually funny. Uh, one of the the vehicles Bumblebee rejects scanning is the urban assault vehicle from the movie Stripes. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> like yeah. it must have. It was like a real. Must have been like a real quick cutscene. I probably thought it was just a regular like RV, but it might have actually been on the <laughs> on the combat base. Yeah, I do remember him trying to scan an RV, but yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't think anything of it besides but, it's an RV. Yeah, but there's there's also a station wagon that Charlie tries or yeah. drives is bait. Oh no, the station wagon that they the Charlie's family drives. Is actually also supposedly based off National Lampoon's Vacation. I can see that. I believe it. This yeah. movie it, it is a like love right letter. Yeah. This movie is a love letter to the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
there's one point where Charlie eats the Mr. T cereal. Fuck yeah. <laughs> I don't think we can really do do uh do service in just a few seconds of all the music and nods and, and things there, but they're they're very, very uh important to this you know, to the story as that as is and kind of sprinkled throughout. Yeah. And there, the, there's, there's two scenes that okay. One is definitely Transformers related, and when we get there, I am going to bring it up because I love the fuck out of Stan Bush. Oh yeah, just no. putting it out there. There's no there's, way they could do this without putting that in. No, um, <laughs> but there's another scene uh, where there's another real, like another really good eighty song that I liked that I'll bring up as well, and I like. It, the the music choices for this movie I thought were really really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, on one point Charlie's jacket has the has a letters BFG written on it, and that's supposed to be a reference to uh, Ronald Dahl's book, The BFG, Big Friendly Giant. Oh, okay. Yeah, where a girl befriends a big friendly giant and defending the group of evil giants, uh, defeating a group of evil giants together. Kind oh, of weird. Oh, they yeah. had a movie on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the it's really sec- gross cucumbers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Sector 7 uses a variant of the WOPR supercomputer from War Games. Oh my god. There's <laughs> so much good 80s stuff that I didn't even pick up on. So, uh, one, fun fun mm-hmm. fact about the Roll Doll thing. Uh, yeah, so he eats, I believe they call it, I believe he calls it a snozberry. Uh, but I could be wrong, but it is because he doesn't eat people. He has to eat these disgusting giant cucumber things. Mm-hmm. And in, I believe, I think it was my younger sister's elementary school class after they read the B- the BFG, um, the teacher made them snozberries, which were, uh, they were hollowed out cucumbers with tuna fish inside. What? Uh, you can't feed that to kids? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, the point is that it's supposed to be, like, disgusting because it's like, you know, he's he's making a major sacrifice in not, you know, eating children. Wow. Some other more 80s reference was the uh, Bumblebee, when he was in the house, found a can of Tab Soda. And yes. The, and the game of Pong running on Atari 2600. Uh, but that Pong's actually a little outdated. Yeah. There's actually... It's, it's actually, actually going to have Mario on there. There's actually mention of like continuity errors about that too, which is kind of funny. I mean, I mean, it's not unbelievable that a family oh, yeah. would have just an Atari in right. seven. That's totally fine. Like people today, there are like you know families that don't have the most advanced console in their house. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I think also pop culture and stuff moves so fast now that we kind of forget how things were back even in like the nineties. Where, yeah, like, you know, growing up, I knew people that had Ataris. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, certainly over the course of the over the course of the 80s, especially this, you know, this family that, uh, you know, they make a big point of that. They're kind of just barely getting by. Yeah. Yeah. That was my family. My family, like we had the old we had the NES. Never had a chance to get the Super Nintendo. It was just way too out of our price range. Like, probably because he does say the the younger brother does say like, "What did you do to my TV?" Uh, even though it's like in the in the family room. So I I kind of feel like this younger brother character like 
went to a bunch of garage sales and found somebody that was trying to because also the TV is like ancient. Mm-hmm. It was probably from the 70s, too. So he found like a TV and an Atari that somebody was trying to get rid of and, uh, you know, paid ten dollars for it. I got a little background headcanon. That's cute. I <laughs> am <laughs> um, just like a f- few few more real ref- real references is that there's a point where Otis wears a Bruce Lee t-shirt. Uh, it says here that the ram- that the rampage seed was supposed to be a direct nod to the Iron Giant. What with the oh. glowing red eyes and such. That makes sense. And then uh, I don't know. If, I can't remember if I caught it the first time, but Ron claims his, he learned his driving skills from Miami Vice. Yes, I did yes. catch that as well. <laughs> My mom so, loved that show when I was a kid, so I, I picked up on that right away. Yeah, the only other thing on the TF Wiki that you know I haven't mentioned or we've gone over is a couple of little like continuity errors. Besides what the you know major ones it causes by their change from prequel to reboot, but. They mentioned the uh, the ep- the episode of Alf that they're actually watching was uh, a specific episode that aired a year after the movie supposedly takes place. That's yeah, that's not surprising. And that um, it was actually uh, the the Sam Cooke album that uh, you know that the record that Charlie pulls out supposedly like the lit- song list order wouldn't have the song she played first, like at the very beginning of the song. It was actually like the uh, last track of side A on a earlier release called Hits of the 50s instead of the Little Things uh, or Sam songs, I think was. Kind oh. of but that was more of just like if you really knew your record. Yeah. You so, notice that. So, so, she does, <laughs> so it's not even on the song. Is, the song she plays is not even on that record. No. Huh. That's. That takes me out of it a little bit. I'm a little bit pissed <laughs> off. I don't care about I don't care about that episode of Alf, but like, and I would even be okay if it was like a different if it wasn't the first track on the record because you can drop the you can drop the needle and and know where the where the track where the track well, is. Well, and, and like and it also a lot. also like it's a movie and they want to evoke a certain song, so like. But it is weird that they just use the album that the song's on, right? Because it's not like they do a close up of the album cover. I don't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. Yeah. It might. It might be the fact that um, the song they played was Unchained Mem- uh, Melody, right? Yeah. But Sam Cooke didn't, you know, write or produce that. He that was just his cover version of it. So mm-hmm. they probably picked an album that definitely said, "Oh, this is Sam Cooke," so people knew it was his his cover on it. Like that's that's probably the movie's thinking of it. Yeah. Yeah, I would have just but, uh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I Great, we just killed this movie for Kindle. Yeah, you, ru- you completely ruined it. You completely ruined it. <laughs> no, I, and, I just I guess I guess the thing is when I listen to that, it does sound because it's like because it is a cover version of of the song, like it's a different version of that song than you normally than you normally think of. I guess that it's just like, you know, it's kinda like uh one of my favorite, you know, the Watchmen movie when they play the version of Leonard Cohen's version of Hallelujah that would have been era appropriate during the sex scene, um, and uh, and like I loved that because it's this different version of the of a of a well known song and it's you know and they chose it for a reason they chose it because it was era appropriate. It's just kind of weird. 
that um, yeah, I mean, I guess I guess you make the argument that they wanted they wanted it to be a Sam Cooke album and they wanted to play a song that's not on a Sam Cooke album. Just, I don't know. Yeah, I totally. That's uh, whatever. Her, it's fine. Her her dad somehow made a record mixtape. Well, or, or, or I guess or he had the record in the wrong sleeve. Well, that's possible. That's true. Because yeah, because she would she wouldn't know. I mean, I guess that's that's the best. That's the best example. That's the best answer. Let's pre- let's See? pretend that's the answer. There you go. You just there talked you yourself go. out of you just talked yourself back into liking the movie. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna I was going to go on IMDb and like. One star. <laughs> Does IMDb even do stars? Your sound engineer ruined this movie for me. Continuity error. <laughs> uh, and the final thing I just wanted to mention again was what what we basically said about Pong, about how it uh, was running on an Atari 2600, but basically it was never really standalone for the 2600 and just other small technical things about that. But I think Kendall's roundabout talking about it makes more sense, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Although it does, there is a moment where you actually see the gameplay by itself, so that's still a little did odd. The, did, did the game have a demo? You know, sometimes games, if you leave them be for a bit, they'll just demo itself. I don't think it did. I, I kind of doubt that Pong would have a an attract mode, but I don't know all the different versions of Pong that were ever released. I don't, that scene really doesn't really make sense to me because you don't even see him like turn on the TV. There's something about that. Scene they just, they just love leaving. They, they just love leaving Pong on in demo mode when they leave the house. It is fucking, that's just, that, that's their jam. It's like, when you, it's like when you leave the TV on when you leave a hotel room. Hmm. Yeah, there's actually a really interesting thing that probably explains a lot, but I don't want to talk about it until we get to it because it's going to be a whole thing and it might be a little more fun to wait till then. Okay. All right. Well, let's dive in. Now that the podcast yeah. is a third of the way over. <laughs> <laughs> now, obviously, I don't have the movie right in front of me, so I am not going to go scene by scene by scene, line by line by line. That's, yes, I think that's a good choice. Yeah. We do not um, want a Sonic the Hedgehog movie situation. No. <laughs> um, but we do Two open... episodes of podcast. <laughs> that was ridiculous. <laughs> It was like we, a ten-hour recording session. It was. It was yeah. insane. <laughs> we we open up on the planet of Cybertron in the midst of a giant battle. Um, we've got RC. We've got Brawn. We've got Iron. I think Ironhide makes an appearance. If I'm not mistaken, he's yeah. shot really fast yeah. though. Uh, Wheeljack is there. They're all freaking out. Optimus shows up. He starts taking out. Decepticons like crazy with his with his energy rifle, and he's like, "Where is B one twenty seven? And then all of a sudden, B shows up. B flings himself at the Decepticon, stomps it. Well, it doesn't stomp. He sort of uses it to pad his fall and then kicks its head off. <laughs> the head takes out another Decepticon, saving Optimus from attack from behind. Um, and it's pretty much one of the only I I want to say we get maybe a handful of lines from B at the start yeah. of this movie, and then it's pretty much radio talk for the rest of I, it. I, I liked his voice for as long as we had it, but yeah. I, I'm I understand the appeal of Radio Bumblebee. I don't think this movie would have worked with him having a voice, so Yeah. I think just because of what 
the way it was introduced with the previous ones, I think the audience expectation now is like, oh, it's Bumblebee. He's got the radio voice. So, mm-hmm. but it was cool to have it initially. Yeah, and I also like this voice actor better than like some of you guys remember, but like in the first movie, Bumblebee has a has one lie at the very end of it. Yes, and like I don't like that voice for him at all because he sounds like a like an old man. Yeah. And like this, he's supposed to be like the, the kid, like the scrapper, like, you know. Yeah. Like, I want to stay with the boy. Yeah. Yeah. So over the course of this battle, the Autobots are starting to get overrun. Optimus is ordering everyone to fall back to this giant tower. Um, there's a reference, I think, to the tower at the top of the tower actually being Teletram, which is like a G1 mm-hmm. reference to the, the computer that they had. So the plan is for Optimus to get the Autobots off the planet. B is supposed to be setting up a new base on a planet. It's far away. It's remote. Nobody should be able to find it, find him, um, which apparently isn't the case as we'll come to find out later on um no no one finds him that's the whole movie he just hangs out on earth yeah happens <laughs> yeah this is weird wacky adventures on earth so he's shot away in a escape pod from the planet the last thing that we see of optimus is the tower's been basically blown up from the middle of it it starts falling he literally leaps off the tower grabs onto a decepticon in one of those really badass moments that you'll that you'll see in an action movie grabs a, De- a Decepticon jet and the last thing we see is him flying off. So we don't know what happens at this point. So this this scene um, it, every time I watch it I, I go back and forth. Would you guys mm-hmm. want a movie that was all set on this Cybertron? Honestly, yes. Uh... I... I would have to play the the War for Cybertron games just to see. If I like those games way more than I thought I would, then I definitely would want to see a movie there. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure how, how it is because I have yet to actually sit down and play through them. I don't think that's what I, the story I want a Transformers movie to, to, to talk about. Like Maybe if it was like a directed DVD like animated movie uh-huh. but set in the same universe, that's cool. But I don't think we should have a blockbuster Transformers movie that's all on Cybertron. It okay. doesn't sound very interesting to me so so i would say from a story so i've been you know i've been reading the comics and the comics a lot of them take place on cybertron have very complicated political like everything that everything that kendall wants out of a out of a transformers movie overly com- convoluted storylines very almost anime-esque uh mm-hmm. so i think you could tell a story but like i i'm very back and forth on like because i really like these visuals but i think like kind of less oh. is more when um, I saw Optimus, I was like, yes, this is yeah, what I wanted from the very <laughs> first movie. Like I said earlier, the designs of this movie are very good. They're very strong. Like, like not yeah. even just like the, the fact that they look like G1, but they're also colorful and distinguishable right. from each other. Like right. even the Decepticons, like you see them and they're like, you know, like what's his name? Like Longshot or Long... That guy, you know, <laughs> the only got problem this... is they don't say their names very much, so it's like, <laughs> yeah. remember their is names. Is it a Decepticon you know, or is it a Decepticon Autobot? and he's got like a single eye. Oh, know, that's Shockwave. Uh, Shockwave. Shockwave, that guy, yeah. Shockwave, I think I got him mixed up because in like TFA, he's like long arm for a bit. But anyways, yeah. 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 Shock, Shockwave, 
like he's big and purple like like they're really colorful and you can tell them apart from each other they're not just the gray messes they were in the other movies yeah yeah no i I totally yeah i totally totally agree with that i think where i've landed on it is i would like because i would like to see um a sequel to this that is a more like where there's more transformers where it is like the autobots versus the decepticons fighting on earth Yes. In the in the year nineteen eighty nine or something, uh, I had yeah. that same thought. But mm-hmm. but I and I and in that film, I think I would like what I would like to see is is flashbacks like more than what we see in this, like like a, maybe a B plot or a flashback plot to Cybertron to the war on Cybertron, um, kind of like almost like how the Arrow TV show does, yeah, uh, yeah. has like a, has has like a, a an ongoing subplot throughout. I think that would be, uh, I yeah. think that would be cool. Um, I think but, that'd be really good. But yeah, I don't. Reason, but I, I don't yeah. think. Yeah, I don't think it would work like a whole movie um, with that style. Well, the reason I say I wouldn't want to be a blockbuster like live action Transformers movie is because it wouldn't be live action. Because like the whole appeal of the live action ones is that it's the Transformers interacting with real life, mm-hmm. like you know, real people, real locations. And all that. If you had it on Cybertron, it would just it would just be an animated movie, which is fine. But I don't think that's what I would want out of my like Hollywood Transformer movie. Yeah, the the thought that I have, Kendall, and it's very similar to yours. I really like the idea of that B plot, and my suggestion on that B plot would be so everybody pretty much knows that Megatron is a villain, and you know that Optimus is the hero, and you know that they have really a fairly well-defined grudge against one another, at least according to the movies. Right. And it's never really touched upon. It, it sort of wasn't, there was like a comic, like a prequel comic to the, the, the original Michael Bay movies that touched on it a bit. Like Megatron was like the military leader and Optimus was like the civilian leader, but it never really sort of transferred to the movies at all. So all you know is here's the bad guy. Here's the good guy. They hate each other. We don't really know why. So I think a B plot of Megatron and Optimus maybe being friends or or like colleagues. And this is the story of how one saw it this way, the other saw it this way, and they just diverged. And have that as your yeah. B plot on Cybertron. I, I think I, that could be really good. So, yeah, totally. So that's kind of actually the the current comic uh, that's mm-hmm. right now is is exploring a lot of that. And and I think the Optimus Prime comic uh, that was in the last version of the IDW universe um, mm-hmm. did as did as well. Uh, they, they there's a lot they they've done a lot you know with Orion Pax uh, was his name yes. before he was Optimus Prime. And it's uh, like so much better. The comics are so much better than they have any right to be. <laughs> I will say I liked, uh, I liked the 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 uh, what was it Unicron because they ended IDW kind of just ended the the year long or like the the comic universe of a sorts mm-hmm. before they're like do, going on to like the next phase. So they like just tied up everything there and they ended it with like Unicron. And so the, they kind of like were ending everything, not just with the Transformers, but their Hasbro verse. So they had they had the visionaries in there and and uh, and some of the other things. And yeah. I just kind of kind of like how they brought back uh, some interesting characters such mm-hmm. as Rhinox was in there. 
Oh, man. I really got to take a look at that. Yeah. I'd say more, but it would ruin such a good point. Yeah, yeah, and also, back to the film. Yeah. 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 I, I'm sorry to get a sidetrack. Yeah. It's just interesting that, that Greg, like, pitched the story that, you know, it's the same story that I would pitch, but yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. See, Kendall, we are so different, you and I. No, no. I just like a lot of meat in my spaghetti sauce, and you don't. <laughs> Cool. I um oh I went to a I went to a fancy Italian restaurant that did have meat sauce as an option. I can't. I'm trying to think which one it was. Now, see anybody who doesn't know this reference, this is why you need to listen to the rest of the podcast. <laughs> well, I mean, Thanks listen to the, you know listen to the first season. It it kind of it kind of drops off after the first season. Ah. <laughs> uh. Listen so, to more than the first scene, just because I'm not myself for most of the first oh, season. Okay. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. So, leaving Cybertron, we we then cut to Earth, uh, 1987 Earth. We've got John Cena in, I want to say, a tweener role for all those wrestling folks. See, he doesn't quite get to be the heel that you want to see him be. I was confused about this, though, because, like, is he just using, like, a cloaking device the whole movie? Because, like, I can't see him. Oh, yeah. And I just, like, <laughs> I just hear his voice, and I'm like, Here's where is voice. John Cena? I heard he was in here, but I don't I don't see him anywhere. Well, I, I will say that I don't know who John Cena is because I didn't see him, but I did see Jack Burns a lot. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you stuck double my head. Juan Cena. <laughs> Sorry, Kendall. Um, that's actually a user question, by the way, that was oh, brought nice. up. So, yeah. so we'll go more into it. And there's a there's a wrestling meme and a catchphrase for John Cena where you he says you can't see him and and he waves his hand in front of his face. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's 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 part of his like uh, kayfabe. Stick. Kayfabe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Kayfabe. Uh, so I really like this scene where. The it looks like this guy's getting uh, assassinated by a bunch of uh, people, but it's really they're playing paintball, and uh, and it reminds me a lot of there's a paintball episode of Daria where every time somebody shoots somebody else, they're like those paintball things hurt, <laughs> <laughs> and which uh, John Cena's character does to the other guy that we I don't think we ever see him again after this I first think scene. He, I- I think he doesn't exist after this scene because of <laughs> yeah. reasons we'll get you later. But yeah, like they're they're some kind of training exercise for the military. Um, they're not just they're not just playing because like you know like stuff happens and he calls back to base and everything and got jeeps and shit. Yeah, the 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 reason that he and the reason that he calls back is over the course of the training exercise, he's talking to I guess a buddy of his talking about how he's got a date tonight and whatnot. Yeah, that they mentioned that they're like. He's like, oh, I shouldn't have saved you back in. So they're like old war buddies. Yeah. Uh, but what winds up happening is B crashes right in the middle of the training exercise. And, of course, Mr. Uh, Jack Burns is like, why are you guys firing napalm during a training exercise? And they're like, what are you talking about? We're not firing anything. And then, as they say that, we get B rising up from the smoke and debris. And... Uh, Everybody's sort of in awe, and then we get a, a bit of a protracted chase sequence, if you will, for, I want to say it's a good five, maybe almost ten minutes. At least five. There's some cool parts. Uh, 
um, notably that uh, Bumblebee scans a Jeep. Yes. And I, I, I really like how in this movie, whenever he scans a new vehicle mode, it like visibly changes his robot form. Mm-hmm. Like he has like the, the, the Jeep grill on his chest. Like, yes. like visibly a Jeep grill as compared to like his Cybertronian grill or later on his Volkswagen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was, and originally that was going to be like a callback to this Jeep form from World War Two until they, made some very, very many changes. Mm. <laughs> In fact, there's actually... Uh, Jack Burns had a, a, a B-plot where uh, he supposedly lost a, a war buddy to a confrontation with the Transformers, but that was kind of cut like cut out, and so that's kind of... Sometimes Like you'll see him being like, over-serious at times. Like yeah. At the beginning here, he's, he's kind of, you know, being a bit of a playful jerk if you if you want but mm-hmm. other scenes he seems like uber serious and that was because they had that uh they were those are scenes from still when they when that was a plot element i do find that now that you mentioned like what that b plot would have been that makes sense with a lot of the the direction that the character took but i didn't i never felt that it was necessarily out of character for the way he was. I felt sometimes yeah. maybe it was a little over overacting it, maybe. So the only thing the only thing that like is odd to me about this scene versus the rest of the movie mm-hmm. is normally if you had a situation where a character has an interaction with an alien or whatever at in the at the very beginning of the movie and then like they come back, like he will be he will make some reference to this, you know, he, cause he never says, Oh, I've, I've, I ran into one of these before or, yeah. um, mm-hmm. you, you know, or he doesn't like, it's literally Bumblebee. He does. The, he, there isn't like a moment where he recognizes, Oh, you were that guy. Yeah. Um, he just kind of, the, just this happens and then the next stuff happens. So the idea, the fact that he had a different B plot and maybe there were some reshoots and stuff kind of mm-hmm. explains why maybe it was, why maybe his although i really like his character and and they don't spend enough time on his on his b plot to really you know for it to really make a difference in the movie but that does kind of explain some some unevenness with that yeah i, I mean like there's there's a few things like that you can pick up like he, he's working at sector 7 later which is like the secret mm-hmm. secret special military thing so obviously I, I took it that this alien encounter made him join Sector 7. Mm. But, like, it's not, like, that. Like. And, and, again, that was kind of them reworking things, because, like I said, like, they changed it from a prequel to a soft reboot. One of the things they dropped, and uh, we can actually talk about now, because uh, the whole idea is that orig- they were originally were going with was that this was going to be a prequel. So Megatron's been on Earth, like, frozen yeah. with the AllSpark. But yeah. they dropped all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's some small little odd things like the fact that Sector 7 is at the at the uh, Hoover Dam. Dam. Yeah. Uh, or uh, I didn't really actually pick up on this, uh, though I did find it rather interesting that the they had jeeps with those harpoons to uh, in- incapacitate uh, B. Yes. Like those those are supposedly uh, a specific spe- Sector 7 thing that they made after meeting Transformers, apparently. Oh, I mean, I did. I did find it weird that they had jeeps with guns on it, and part one of those guns was a harpoon gun. Like I, I, I yeah. why would I they didn't, have those? 
I, I didn't but, think about it, but that makes sense. Sure. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but th- that's more. But honestly, I kind of other than those like little bumps in that, I think they kind of, you know, f- switch things around to make it work like yeah. like for for something that basically came in very late in the production idea. They seem to actually be able to pull it off. Mm-hmm. Not like perfect, but enough that it doesn't really detract from the movie. Some, you know, too much. If, if yeah. they wanted to, they could just have a, a go back in time and have a Beast Wars and basically have the Beast Wars <laughs> movie be be Days of Future Past to this movie's X Men First Class. God, they could. Be good. Yeah. I could oh, see that it. Was, I saw that. I saw someone commenting that this is kind of like the Transformers X-Men first class because oh, of the way yeah. it reboots. Like, yeah, so totally. It absolutely is. This is yeah. 100%. This is, this is the, the it, Transformers it, X-Men first class. It also takes place during the Cold War like first class did. Although <laughs> oh, different yeah. Mm-hmm. Different decade, though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, but it's a but it is a period piece that's a soft reboot of the of the franchise. I mean, that's yeah. which I feel like has happened. I I feel like that's I feel like other franchises have done that, but I can't think of any examples. It'd have to be probably com- uh, comic book movies. Maybe maybe Daredevil? Well, no, Daredevil didn't, no. Mm. Oh, I thought Elektra and stuff like that. Oh, no? well, I don't know. Well, I mean, Elektra was a maybe a pretty... I don't know. It's been a long time <laughs> since I saw Elektra. That's certainly not what I was thinking of. Oh, okay. Um, but, I, I mean, I guess, like, Captain Marvel is kind of... Uh, there's some, some, some retconning in, in Captain Marvel... Um, yeah, which is funny you mentioned Captain Marvel because that's what I watched on the way back from Winnipeg. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the one Marvel movie I still have to see besides Same Endgame. Here. I did think it was kind of funny how they had that similarity where it's like, this is in the 80s, this is in the 90s. It's like, oh, I went up a decade. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's interesting doing period period works in these larger universes. Mm. Um, totally. But yeah. So yeah. So then the stuff. So then he gets fights. <laughs> The yeah. bad guy Transformers show up and there's more fighting. And then the guy's like, where's the stuff? And he's like, and he's like, I'll never tell you. He's like, okay, if you're serious, I'll just take your voice box out for some reason. <laughs> and he goes like, I'll, 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 I'll never talk. And he's like, well, let's make it official. And he stabs him in the voice box. Yeah. And I, I will say this fight is really good. Like I can, I can tell what's happening in the action. I can follow it. The the robots are distinct enough that I can tell them apart. Oh, like, definitely. It's 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 so much better action than the Bayformer movies, and like, um, I really like how Bumblebee fights. Like he's he's a, he's a little guy, but he's so he's like a scrapper. He's like yeah. always like kind of grappling and jumping around, and like I yeah I love I love this scene. And they do yeah. utilize they do utilize the um the alt forms going back and forth yeah uh, mm-hmm. pretty pretty well throughout the whole film. Um, you know you know I'm not usually a big fan of when Transformers turn into vehicles um <laughs> but and i mean and i mean or that's why we review beast machines to find out more about that <laughs> yeah but or but, you know, like but like you know if you can but but and and sometimes you can i i've i've learned to accept that sometimes these are just stories about alien robots and they mm. don't have to be about transforming but this this film i think does utilize does utilize both forms there's a lot of times when bumblebee will use his car form to to get up some speed and then transform and punch a guy yes yeah. that was something well, i, I love that too, i really I love it. it or transform an arm to grab a guardrail to go around a course which 
Right. Yeah. Right, which we'll get to. Yeah, is, we'll get to that. That the partial transforming stuff is really cool too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's one scene where he actually transforms around Charlie. Yes. Actually, I think it might be in that same scene that you're talking about, well, Jordan. Okay. That, yeah. Okay. Then we'll, yeah. we'll get to it when we get to it. <laughs> yes, he doesn't um, transform around Charlie before he meets her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Uh, but yes, so at, at the end of this fight with... Uh, God, I'm blanking on the name of the Transformer now. Blitzwing. Yeah. Uh, so at the end of the, the fight with Blitzwing, uh, Blit, Blitzwing's destroyed. Uh, John Cena's character has been not mortally wounded, but he, he got rocked pretty hard. Uh, he has yeah, a, a scar on his face for the rest of the movie. They were really messed up, too. And even yeah. though Bumblebee won the fight, he's he's wrecked. Yeah, like, and Bubble. Yeah. Yeah, he so Bumblebee has lost to his voice modulator to be able to speak. His memory banks have been damaged, uh, and he is losing energy. So he manages to get himself away from the scene of the battle to this lakeside and starts looking around for something to change into. And we get the RV that we talked about earlier. We get the the station wagon that was mentioned earlier. And finally, he settles on a Volkswagen bug or beetle, rather. And so then screen goes to black. We see him, his system power down. He shuts off. Then we cut to our main human character for the rest of this movie. And I that, love Charlie. She's yeah. the best. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's so. So this uh, the actress's name is Haley Stans. Is it Steinfeld? Steinfeld. Yes. Okay. Um, she plays Charlie. She who is seventeen and is going to be turning eighteen the the following day. Um, she's very punkish. She's got a lot of sort of punk band music posters well, she, up in her room. She's, less, she's more metal. Yeah. Yeah, true. like she. Yeah, I mean, she likes the Smiths, which are kind of like emo before emo was really a thing yeah but yeah she's like she's 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 alternative and she like yeah. wears like she wears like a flannel all the time and like jeans and like i love her she's so cool yeah, she's alternative <laughs> she's yeah i would just i would just say kind of just like a rocker chick like it's not she's not a yeah. she's not a hairband person she's not like a she's not a yeah she's not like a punk punk but like um but she's she's got an appreciation for uh yeah for alternative type music like She'll probably she'll probably dive head head first into 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 uh, uh, grunge. grunge here in a couple years. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was gonna absolutely. say <laughs> somebody will slip her a CD when they came come out. It'll be Nirvana. We're <laughs> <laughs> like, you like that? Listen to this. <laughs> Which I mean, when, like, I when I don't what's this? I don't have a CD player. <laughs> when when Nirvana first came out, they did describe them. People did describe them as a as a punk band. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you know, there's there's definitely some punkiness uh, there, but I would just I would just sort of just generally say she's like a rocker and she has an appreciation for uh, various types of music throughout the film. Yes. Yeah. Um, one of the things that we also sort of note is she's got a bit of a chip on her shoulder when it comes to her mom. And well, I mean, one boyfriend. of the first things she says is like, good morning, dad. Good morning, to her dad. Portrait. So we instantly yeah. know dead dad. Yeah. yeah. You know, Disney channel movie shenanigans <laughs> happen. Yeah. <laughs> the, 
So this this early scene, like we we get introduced to her mom, we get introduced to her mom's boyfriend, her her, her, her stepdad Ron, which is yeah. the most stepdad name <laughs> ever, <laughs> and, and I love. It. I I gotta say, except for like that one scene on her birthday, Ron seems to be an okay guy. It's just that oh, oh God. poor God. Charlie is going through a lot. Yeah, yeah. I I really I really got the sense that everybody in this family is doing their best. Yeah. yeah. Like nobody is nobody is horrible. And even yeah, even the scene we'll get to with her birthday where they where they totally missed the mark. Oh. I mean, I have <laughs> I have parents that are perfectly fine, but my parents did that to me on one of my birthdays. Not exactly the same, but but like I've been I've been uh had had some had, you know, that that kind of stuff happens when you're asking. I guess yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So we see Charlie head to to work uh she works in an amusement park she works at um they call it a hot dog on a stick but it's like a corn dog yeah. so maybe like corn dog was copyrighted maybe yeah, or, or, yeah or corn it's... dog might have not just been a good term in the 80, mm. 80s we, well, that's true yeah who knows no, we also no. get a shot of of uh, memo who is at the churro stand that's becomes a character later on but it, throughout the beginning of the movie he's, he keeps trying to talk to charlie but she's yeah. busy or like something's going on so she black brushes him off yeah we the the so i had one gripe about this intro like this introduction to charlie he was very reminiscent of the way the child the character was introduced in the first transformers movie in the um in the amusement park because so, we've got this group of popular kids who are okay, being a well, bunch I, of dicks. I, I have something to say about the first movie and this movie, but I want to leave it to like the end. So to hot, talk about. hot dog on a stick is a chain. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm looking at, at, at pictures. Um, and I don't know if it's like, I don't know if it's, a, if it's a exactly that, but it looks exactly like that. Um, so, okay. Yeah, I'm, I, 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 I when we were watched it, I mentioned to Emily that it reminded me of uh, things that some cartoons have parodied. So mm-hmm. maybe maybe it's just like uh, and now that I think about it, some of those cartoons were uh, made like I the mean, production companies yeah. were on the the West Coast. So maybe that's a chain that they were actually right. referencing. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying yeah. to find. I, I googled hot dog on a stick bumblebee and there are pictures from bumblebee <laughs> and there are pictures from okay here we go there's her co- her her uniform is a hot dog on a stick uniform it is okay. the same okay. it is the same place um and maybe like, it's like, like a regional like, thing to california yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's yeah. it's uh southwest uh southwest united sense, states though. yeah hmm. But yeah, Greg, like, like, like the opening bully scenes, like in, in tons of movies, like every yeah. <laughs> every fucking superhero movie has the like Spider-Man, the fucking uh, Dragon Ball Evolution. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like everything has that. Well, I guess that's why it rubbed me the wrong way a little bit, just because we've seen it so many goddamn times well, now. But and- there's interesting stuff about this, this particular uh, bully group is that like um, there's like a hot guy, right? Yeah. And and he never really and and there's and then there's the mean girls mm-hmm. and I think it's interesting that Charlie doesn't give a shit about this guy. That's very true. Right. Yeah, like in, in any other movie, like Dragon Ball Evolution or like anything like that, that's like Mary Jane or Chi Chi or like whatever, right? But yeah. he's just some fucking guy. Mm-hmm. He doesn't give a shit about him. 
the main problem is like the main the head bean girl is like her adversary kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 she I, she makes no it shows no interest in the the lead. He takes, and, he takes his top yeah, off like and, and, and they, the they purposely like, do things to make it seem like she should be. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think in this first scene, she they kind of lead it as if as if she they treat it as if she might have a, a like or at least like she's nervous around him or whatever. Uh, but but they don't they don't build off of that. He doesn't become the love interest. Yeah, that is interesting. No. I I will say though the Mean Girls stuff it sticks out a lot in this movie because every other character in this movie talks like a real person mm-hmm. and like kind of acts sure. like a real person. And the Mean Girls are just a little. I mean, you would never, no matter how like even if you're trying to be like passive aggressive towards somebody, you're not going to make fun of their dead dad. No. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which happens later, but yeah, 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 but it's yeah, but it's you know, it's 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 related to this to this little mini subplot. Sure. Like, like I, I think every but every other character in this movie acts like a real person. Um, That's true, including the the non love interest, which I really like the way that they resolved that 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 they would mm-hmm. eventually resolve that with the with the her neighbor that is trying to introduce himself a bunch of times. <laughs> but yes, uh, we wind up following charlie after after she finishes work she goes to a junk shop and she seems to know the guy who runs the place we have a little scene where uh, there's a guy uncle later but it could be yeah yeah could be a nickname yeah Um, like it's uncle hank and i think i think the uh her mom met like refers to him as uncle hank at one point but i think it's more of just like like you said like it's like a name on the shop or something yeah but uh, so it's sort of established. She knows she knows about cars. She knows how to fix stuff, um, which I thought was really cool uh, yeah. to have that sort of a trait with not only like a main character, like to see that that they're, you know, familiar with that sort of stuff, but especially like a female lead. That's and that that's one of the, like, oh, I imagine we'll touch on it more at the end of the movie, but it was like a really I felt that it was a really strong concept for her as a character and it was done well. I put a picture of the hot dog and the stick people in the Facebook <laughs> chat. Yeah, that's what that beef was, listeners. That I, I didn't realize I'm that, putting on silent now. I didn't realize that, yeah. But it's it, okay. I, but I don't know. I just I think that's interesting. Like, yeah, because we all none of us knew that realized that, that was a, a real thing. Yeah. It almost looks like a KFC bucket on the top of their heads. <laughs> yeah. 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 But yeah, so she is getting these parts out of a boat. Uh, we aren't sure why at this point. We we do find out later. Uh, but correct me if I'm wrong. She f- this is where she finds B as well, right? Like the- yeah, she knocks a bunch of boats over and it makes the tarp go off of B. And think- then, hmm? I was gonna say I think and when when she's talking to her parents, she mentions she's working on a car kind of thing she like, does yes. right if she right. just so that's probably why she's she like, wants a car for her birthday it's coming up and she's like you know like it's a good chance for a lot of a big a big you know a gift it's my birthday it's my 18th yeah. birthday you know but they yeah and they she's like but um, i yeah and she's also like well if maybe you just give me this money for some for a specific part you know trying to like talk them down from a car to help me get this car yeah she yeah. needs she needs 500 bucks 
for a which is a lot in eighties money. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, but but you know, if that's if that's what you needed to have, like a, if, and we see at the end of the movie, it's a really nice car. Um, you, you know, that's yeah, it's it's, but also yeah, it's a lot of money. I think she doesn't. This is the the beginning of this film. She comes off. I mean, obviously she's dealing with a bunch of stuff, but she does kind of come off as like a 17 year old, like a little bit immature. Like she doesn't realize that maybe her parents don't have access to all the money in the world Mm -hmm. um, with, with a, with a few, a few, a few moments. And uh, you know, it's, it's kind of refreshing because you can just tell that, that when they wrote her character, it was a believable take on a character, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. She's insanely more likable than any of the other leads in Transformers movies. (laughs) (laughs) And actually, now that I think about it, the, the, the writer of this movie um, was a woman. Uh, Her name was Christina Hodson. Um, So I think, yeah, it definitely shows that somebody who really knows what they're doing can, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, somebody who actually knows how to write a woman. uh, You can tell, and it's done really, really well. So, So there you go. See, there should be, more diversity in writing and movies in general. Good thing you get good stuff like this. But so we are introduced to uh, Charlie's project car, which is like an older Corvette. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know exactly why she's working on it, aside from the fact that we can assume that it's a really nice car and probably has something to do with her deceased father, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I think she she works on it a bit and has trouble and she says like I can't do this without you. Yes. Kind of thing. Yeah. So the following day, uh, it's the following day is her birthday if I'm not mistaken. Yes, because yes. we get the scene with Ron. Yeah. So um, they give her her birthday presents and like we we saw her on a motorized bike earlier. Mm-hmm. Like a like a bicycle, and her mom gets her a helmet, which is fair. She should be wearing a helmet. I yes. know. Yeah. Yeah, but this uh, is the eighties, and no one cares kinda, about the helmets then. Yeah, I know. It's kind of it's kind of a uh, girly, and she's decidedly not girly, so it's a little bit like uh, whatever. Mm. But um, it's not that bad. What's bad is Ron gets her a gift that says like, it's something like um, like the benefits of smiling smile? more or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's it's something it's, like it's a step it, it, away from him saying you'd look prettier if you smiled more. Yeah, yeah, pretty much like which is like a thing that women hear a lot even to this day. I mean, in, in his defense, he's just trying to get her to be more positive and it's the 80s. So like, yeah, but it still fucking sucks. Well, yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and the film makes it very clear that it sucks. Like this is oh, yeah, this is yeah, definitely the low point oh, yeah. for these characters. <laughs> Um, I will, I will, I want to give you guys my, my, my story of where my parents disappointed me on my birthday. And it's not, you know, it's not a, it's not something that like was like demonstrating that they fundamentally had a misunderstood me to my core, but it was pretty shitty. Um, so I was about, I was just, I was about to finish college. So I was in my very early twenties, like 22 or 23. And, uh, Every year in my adult life, they had given me once they kind of got to a point where they didn't want where, you know, they didn't know what to buy me as a birthday present. Uh, 
they would give me some cash on my birthday. And at that time, I was working, because I was in school, I was working one night a week uh, for spending money. And then um, I was living with them, although I think they don't, they didn't realize how little they were supporting me for, like, my food and stuff. Because mm-hmm. my girlfriend was paying for most of my food. Um, <laughs> but uh, I had gotten a, I'd gotten a speeding ticket, which is the last speeding ticket I ever got. Um and I was like budgeting. I was like, okay, they're going to give me some money. So I'll be able to pay off the speeding ticket for my birthday. And then, I, and then they leave me a note. They're like, we left you a small present. Like they didn't, they didn't give it to me. They just left me a note and it was a hat that didn't fit. Um, and, <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> it was, it was just the most like, I mean, I know that, I know that that is very much a, I am, I am in a position of privilege and they didn't, it wasn't something that they had to do, but it was something that I kind of was counting on and it sucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was really, you know, that I was really hoping for, you know, I was really hoping for some, you know, you hope for something on your birthday, especially when you're in those, in those early, you know, I'm in a situation now where if I want to buy something, I can usually just buy it. Um, but like back, you know, when I was, when I was younger, you know, late teens, early twenties, like you have very little spending money and you're just kind of hoping for something like, you know, something nice, mm-hmm. or, you know, or to be able to do something fun on your birthday or whatever. And that is, it was just like this sinking feeling. And I had, I think I even like had waited as long as I possibly could. And the ticket was like in this little town where I was going to school 45 minutes away. So I had to like make a special trip out there. Also, the class that I got that I was going to because I got the speeding ticket well, because I was late for class ended up getting canceled. Oh, <laughs> God. I'm just saying I really relate to Charlie. And then the other, yeah. the other thing I really relate to about Charlie is her having that like garage workshop where she has. I mean, and it's a selfish thing. Like she has her bedroom and then she also has the garage that are like just her space, you know, usually the garage is a space that everybody would use, but she has, that is where she keeps, you know, all of her music and her movies. And she, she's always working on her car in there. That's what I did with our basement when I was a, a teenager, except for I didn't work on cars, believe it or not. I know I seem like a, I seem like a real uh, <laughs> earhead. Oh yeah. But that's where, I mean, that's where my band practiced and that's mm-hmm. where I would, uh, you know, try to record my albums and stuff. And, uh, even as an adult, I take up the basement in our, uh, in my wife and I's apartment with a similar, a similar space like that. So I, I just really could, cause you like, I could really relate to this, like sort of, you have this, this kind of a safe space, like a, like your own little area where you're working on your projects and stuff yeah. and you're kind of separate from the rest of your family. And then like, like later in the film when her mom is like, you spend all your time in that garage and I don't know doing God knows what. And it's like that. <laughs> there were definitely times that my parents, I, I heard that from my parents. Uh, yeah. Oh, I'll be young again. So, so, so anyway, yeah. her birthday. Yeah. And also yes. she has a moped. It's is what that is. Is if yeah. a moped is a, it's a bicycle that is like, it's got a motor on it that you can, after you get going, you can turn on the motor and it keeps going. Uh, I thought yeah. mopeds were like scooters. I mean, they're similar, but it's sort of like a moped is sort of like a midpoint between a but a regular bike and a scooter. And, and okay, the other, yeah. yeah. And then the other thing is, uh, 
she um her mom says i know it's not the law but it's our law uh back in the late 80s early 90s in the united states it was a huge like controversial issue do we make it a law to wear helmets on bikes yeah Um, i remember that yeah it was like a big thing i don't know i don't know i assume in canada they already had government subsidized helmets uh (laughs) no we did not have government subsidized helmets but it 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 wasn't as well there's there's like a later part of the movie too where like she's like they're like we should get we really should get seatbelts for this car yeah seatbelts weren't like a thing that like that that like like I know it's like probably obvious, but kind of blew my mind a little bit. Where I'm like, wait, seatbelts weren't always just in cars, yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, they must have had that. That must have been an old, an older station wagon. Yeah, probably uh, from the seventies. Yeah, be yeah. If it if it's still if it still didn't because I mean, yeah, we've always in my lifetime, I'm all the cars that we had. Even even my dad had a, um, a, you know, I my dad had a Honda Accord that was from like 1982 or something like that for my yeah. early childhood, and it had it had seat belts. Yeah. Might not have had a seat belt in the middle of the back seat. Now that I'm yeah, it wouldn't be surprising if it didn't. Like I feel like yeah, it was like the front seats got seat belts first, and then like this e- either side on the back seat, and then they eventually put seat belts in the middle. Yeah. Because that was a thing, they like made it so that like it would only work in certain ones. Like you'd get, you'd be like, "What is this the right one? No, it's the wrong one." Uh, ah, who cares? I just won't buckle up. Yeah. But yes, so we once Charlie gets her gifts, uh, she then I'm trying to remember, does she go to work that day? I don't think she does no, go to work I, I that day. I think she just no. goes straight to the garage. Yeah. Right. She, she goes she, straight. She gets like a determined look on her face. She's like, oh, "I'm gonna get that fucking beetle," and then she like. You know, head straight there. Yeah, because actually we skipped a little bit. There was a scene before her birthday, like her finding B was one day and then this, then her birthday. But we get the little, when she finds B for the first time. Oh, she turns the key. She turns oh, this the is key. actually important. Cause yes. Yeah. And we get, yeah. we get, we get some scenes with our, our uh, antagonist. Yes. And I feel so bad for this to be happening to Cliff Jumper again after Transformers yeah. Prime. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but winds up happening. Comics actually, too. Yeah. Or really? What yeah. the fuck's wrong with her? Why are they so mean to Cliff Jumper? <laughs> Is Cliff Jumper no, the maybe. Kenny of the Transformers universe? I guess maybe now. Sidekick. Okay, uh, Cliff yeah. Jumper. Cliff Jumper is the red bumblebee. Like yeah. when the when like they got like the toys out, they had Cliff Jumper and they had Bumblebee in the original G One series, and they were the exact same thing except Cliff Jumper's red. So like. I kind of guess I get why they like what name transformer character should we kill? Oh, I know the one that's exactly like our lead. So like, we don't really need him anymore, but like still it's a little bit cause this happens to him multiple times. Like I said, Transformers prime, the very first episode, the very first scene is cliff jumper getting killed. And it was voiced <laughs> by the rock. Was like he? They, yeah. They got Dwayne Johnson to <laughs> voice cliff jumper. It was a big promotional thing. Oh, like yeah, shit. I'm playing a cliff jumper. He's like this really rough and tough <laughs> guy, and then within the first ten minutes, he's dead. <laughs> wow. Yes. But uh, so yes, what winds up happening is uh, there's a signal that goes out when Charlie first tries to turn on B, and that signal is sort of uh, it's one of the. I think it's like one of the moons of Jupiter. I think they said it was uh, Saturn. Saturn. 
because I remember them going through the yeah. the, the shattered ring, uh, yes. lost rings of uh, Saturn. Right. Yeah. So, and what what we have here is we have uh, Shatter and Dropkick who are interrogating uh, Cliffjumper at this point, asking where Optimus is because that they're they're pretty much of the mind if if we can find Optimus and we can get him, we can kill him, then this resistance this war is over, which you know pretty much would be. So, can I say I just really like Shatter and Dropkick? Yeah, yeah, they're, they're really they're good villains. Characters. <laughs> Shatter especially. She's yes. like a yeah. really good villain. Yeah. yeah. Um Shatter is definitely the smarter of the two. Um but Dropkick is is you know, he has his good he's sort of like the muscle. Uh, I like the way they pop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, when we get to that, man, I was not expecting that. But yeah, when we get there, I'll make sure that I'm gonna say something about that but uh so once they hear the signal and they're able to trace it back they're on their way to earth oh but before they before they do that well we gotta get rid of cliff Trevor. so what did they do slice them in half right down the middle yeah she she chatters to something like oh a, a warrior like you does like you deserve a warrior's death but on the other hand i mean it just kill him yeah 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 and then i think we get the scene with them actually landing on earth before we get charlie's birthday um i think it doesn't matter we can talk about that scene anyway yeah yeah because so when when shatter and uh and dropkick get to earth (laughs) god it could be a little out of continuity here but we already are yeah Um, (laughs) i think uh reading over the wikis someone pointed out that this kind of parallels the men in black uh oh the bug the bug appearing in the first movie yeah (laughs) so we've got this i'll I'll use the term loosely southern couple uh or i wouldn't even say southern uh it's just they're more sort of bumpkin is bumpkin the right term well the the wiki says they're a dysfunctional couple, and that's kind of true. Yeah, because what what happened is they're living in a trailer. She, the wife, is yelling at the husband because the money that was supposed to go to a down payment on a house he blew on buying a car. Well, also, like he's he tra- like he tried to sleep with her with her sister. <laughs> oh yes, unsuccessfully. Yeah, yeah, as if that's gonna make it better. Yeah. <laughs> so. Over the course of this, we see one of the Decepticons crash. They think that it's like he, he's worried that it's going to crash into the into the car. Doesn't. It sort of crashes off to the side. So he breathes a sigh of relief. And the wife's like, oh, I'm, you know, he's she's like, oh, I'm fine, too. He's like, oh, that's great, honey. And then the second Decepticon crashes right into the car. And, and then, then becomes the car. Yes. She's like, is that my car? (laughs) Um, But yes, this is where we get the first, oh, I like how they pop. Or no, he's, no, what winds up happening is Dropkick pulls out his, like, his arm transforms into a weapon, powers up, and the Liquefies the man. Yeah, just like, yeah. And it's like, whoa, what the hell did, like, we don't see, we don't see blood necessarily. Yeah, we don't really even see blood. No, it's It's like a splash of liquid. Yeah, it's just like once he's there and then whoop, he's gone. It's like a balloon popping almost. Um, 
Good thing that he never uses that gun against any important characters. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I this scene, I was having anxiety the whole time that the, the woman was going to kill, because, like, that guy, like, sucks, so, like, whatever. But, like, she seemed pretty innocent. I, I just really didn't want her to die. And luckily, yeah, they leave her be, because he's, like, going to kill her, but then Shatter's like, we got places to be dropkick. Let's get out of yeah. here. Yeah. So, dropkick also is a muscle car, so they transform, they go driving off, because they... Um, they need to try and figure out where B is. They don't know exactly the where. Yeah. yeah, they know he's on the west coast, but they need to narrow it down. They don't have the the capability to be able to narrow it down right now. So then we get Charlie. She shows up at the 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 scrapyard and basically is making a deal to sort of like a bet almost. Well, she's, she's saying that if she can fix the car, she gets to have it. And she's trying to make this deal with Uncle Hank. And Uncle Hank's like, that's just you taking my car. <laughs> and, then, and then she's like, oh, I'll work for you and do all this stuff. I'll, I'll clean your your disgusting toilets. And he's like, I'm, he's like, no, no deal. I'm not going to hire you. Um, we're, not, we're not hiring right now. The car's yours. Like he, he has a little yeah. fake out where he's like, oh, I'm, I'm a jerk and not going to give you the car. But he just gives it to her. Because like, again, yeah. it's it's junk, like whatever. And mm-hmm. she's real happy about that. And then as she's locking you away, he's like, and my toilets are gorgeous. Yeah. Yes. Well, <laughs> and I like, I like that scene too, because it's like, it is true. It is true that like, she's not like, that's not a, that's not a deal. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. if, you get it, if you can get it working, you can have it. Like, that's like, you know, she's, he's basically, he's, I mean, he's messing with her a little bit at the end of the day. He's, he's just treating her like a grown up. And he obviously cares about her, uh, as we see in a you know in a minute when she drives away, and and uh, and he's like, oh, but she's happy, you know, you know, he just wants her to be, he, he just wants he her to be happy. Her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's junk. Nobody's doing anything with it. Nobody's coming yeah. in except for her. And he doesn't need like he doesn't need help around. Like it's not like you know it's not like he can. Uh, there's no reason for him not to just give it to her. Um, so I just yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah, and it's a birthday, so exactly. So Charlie manages to, to sort of limp it back to her place and pulls it into her garage. Um, she obviously is ecstatic about the fact that she now has a car. Uh, also, also, I will I will comment. I don't know much about cars, but the one thing that I do know is the Beatles are death traps. Yes. Um, because of the, I guess just because of the way they're built, like because the engines in the back and mm-hmm. other stuff, like, and uh, I mean, also Beatles were a thing in like the '60s, I think. So this is probably a, yes. a twenty-year-old car, and you, you know, it's it's a it's a hunk it's a hunk of junk, but uh, it, it which and I like that they acknowledge that. Like, it's not just that they say it's an ugly car. Like specifically, she's driving it away, and he's like. Is that safe to drive? Uh, he's like, uh, what does it matter? She's happy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He says it's a death trap, but look how happy she is. And like, I thought that was just him saying it's a piece of shit car, but then her, her mom mentions it too later, and I was like, yeah. I didn't know that about Beatles. I was just like, oh, I guess, I guess there's something wrong with the car. <laughs> yeah, I, I listened to car talk from time to time growing up, so I'm kind of an expert. Uh huh. Oh, did we forget to mention the beehive that was in the car too? That was a cute was, nod, yeah. a little cute nod that they did. 
Yeah, the I forget if it was when she first found it or or uh, it when was when away. she first found it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there was Which, a beehive yeah. in the car. She gets it home and she's looking at it over, and then something falls in the car. It doesn't really look like it should be on a car. And she slides underneath to take a look at what it is, and there's a robot face. And this is the scene where he transforms around her, and it's yeah. really cool. <laughs> also, that would be fucking terrifying. Yeah. Now this yeah. this scene when uh, when trans when the tra- the Transformers the movie the eighties movie came back to theaters last fall. They played this scene when there had been. I mean, I think there had been an initial trailer. But it was kind of like seeing this scene where, you know, where he's he's scared of her. She realizes yes. that he's scared of just as scared of her he's, as she is of him. And he's our, so cute in this movie. And we do such a good job at, at like emoting him. Like, ah, it's so good. Well, mm-hmm. and they also like it's it's they spend just because like I was I was thinking back when I didn't remember this. Like if the whole movie had been him acting like this, like kind of acting like a dog because he couldn't, you know, them treating him like a, like a pet because he couldn't, mm-hmm. uh, he couldn't speak. But, at, but at the beginning he's confused and, uh, and like, um, you know, not only can he not speak, but he also doesn't have memory. Um, so it kind of makes sense for him to act like this, but I do, I did realize like as his, as his, as he gets more comfortable with stuff, he does be, you know, he does kind of become more, a little more self-aware, like not like a, not like a like a little kid animal thing, but like yeah. but like still this scene was like, and seeing this scene, uh, not really knowing what this movie was going to be, uh, it was like oh okay so they they get it now you know yeah, and it was a good scene. It was a good way to sort of have them meet. Um, it was it was really cute like yeah, and like she like he points at his shirt and she's like oh are you a metal fan and then. You know, she realizes he, he wants her name and she asks for his name and she, and he can't give one for multiple reasons. Like he can't mm-hmm. speak and he doesn't remember. So she's like, you sound like a little bumblebee. She does, That's what she I'm going to call you. She does ask him a lot of questions <laughs> yeah. that, and he, knowing that he can't speak throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so after that introduction... Uh, we we then cut back to the Decepticons. They're they're or no, sorry, not the Decepticons. Well, we they cut, cut the Decepticons, the sec- but we already did that scene. So yeah, but we do get like the the Sector Seven uh, detecting you know more aliens arriving on the planet. Uh, there we got was a young Simmons. Yes, we get a young Simmons from the the original or the first Michael Bay Transformers movie. Yeah, I think he was in some of the later ones too. Yeah. Uh, so that was kind of neat. We then get them meeting up with the Decepticons in the desert, uh, sort of driving towards the West Coast. Uh, there's this doctor that's with uh, Jack Burns, who is, you know, he's really excited because, you know, this is their first alien contact ever. This yeah, is a monumental. Powell. Yes. Yeah. Um. And so there's this they're they're very much butting heads as far as how this meeting is going to go. Uh, seeing his character is, you know, they make a wrong move. We're destroying them. And Powell's like, no, we should try and befriend them and, you know, try and do whatever they want to to try and build relations. The 
Shatter is very quick uh, witted. Mm-hmm. Like definitely picks up on, you know, if we're going to find Bumblebee or of course they refer to Bumblebee as B-127, uh, we're going to need help. And so she sort of placates to to them. And lies. She lies. Yeah. And she outright lies. And and drop and she sort of kneels down. She's like, oh, you know, she's very cord well, I, I don't want to say necessarily cordial, but she's very she's diplomatic. Formal. Yes. And, like, and, I, and I really like how Dropkick's like, what are you doing? This is so, um, this is so <laughs> degrading. <laughs> now, do you think that like the people could hear him? Well, he was like talking because he's talking under his breath, but he's a giant robot. They probably speak <laughs> yeah, pretty loud. Totally. Yeah, you know what? I, I think I think even if they heard them, they were just letting it go because just imagine it was the same thing for Dr. Powell talking with birds there. Right, yeah. right. Well, and, yeah, and also, like, like, you, uh, extending your hand, we should shoot them now. Right, <laughs> right. Well, and also, also, like, they're just like, I mean, these are, they're very overwhelming. It's a, it's probably yeah. a very overwhelming situation. Yeah. It's a giant. So, self peacekeeping to set the con patrol. Yes. And that they're looking so for the fugitive B 127 and, and Shatter shows a hologram of B. Which, which, from a certain point of view, he is a fugitive. Um, in the sense that the Decepticons, who are, uh, in their perception, a le- the legitimate government entity. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, they, they keep yeah. calling the Autobots the Autobot resistance. Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's very, yeah, it, it's very much along the lines that it should be, which I thought was, was really nice, given everything that's going on. Uh, Jack definitely has his reservations. Uh, but Powell like wants to take this straight to the powers of B to to try and help them find B, because um, of course he's like, well, imagine the techno technological advances that we could see, and you know, building a, a friendship with this this alien race, and so of course he, he he's probably seeing like, oh my god, I'm going to be the one who's going to be the one who gets his name and everything for establishing first contact with these yeah. aliens definitely looking just in, in that sort of sense um so we move on from that to um so charlie is sort of trying to train b on how to hide um, well well first off we get a scene where like the it's panic it's, with it's, the mom yeah oh it's yes the next morning um i want to talk about this for like a little bit i really love how her brother Otis is like in a karate class because that's yeah. so eighties. Yeah, yeah. Like, everyone was doing karate in the eighties, and like yeah. he, he mentions later, like he says, like he says, like Master Larry, and it's really yeah. it's just, yeah. it's just really good little details there. And like at, at breakfast, his his stepdad's like, "We're gonna start letting you use nunchucks." <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's really good. Um, but yeah, she wakes up. She's she's super happy. She goes to the garage, and Bumblebee's gone. Where'd he go? Yeah, and it turns out that her mom took the car because Ron needs the station wagon to go to an interview. But apparently the dog got into something and she had to take it to the vet. In a rubber so... glove? <laughs> and and, and it, the, the thing here, too, is like, while her, her mom like has every right to use the car mm-hmm. because she's been like giving this girl, you know, a house over her head and like feeding her for years and everything, she should still have like woken her up and asked. Yeah. 
It's not like, her car. Like, does the car work? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the only thing I could think of was if she panicked when the dog got into the thing. But by the time Charlie shows up, and even with her acting weird, she's very calm about what's going on with the dog. But specifically, yeah. she goes like, Mom, you're like, I know how you get into special situations. And she's like, I'm a nurse. <laughs> I'm not for docs, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like, I, I, I did like that scene. And I do, and it did kind of, especially up, because up to this point, Charlie has been irrational every time that she interacts with her mother. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, and so her mom is just like, okay, what, like, you want to drive your car? That's fine. You can drive your car. Like, I'm not going to fight you about this. And this is also the first time we get partial transformations where he's like yeah. waving at her and it's really yeah. cute. Yeah. <laughs> and the dog's barking at him and he's sort of yeah. like poking his own back window trying to interact with the dog. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the whole thing where like she's trying to get the attention of the car. And so Bumblebee thinks she's waving at her and he waves back and she's like, no, <laughs> just more waving because she's trying to get him to hide again. Yeah. Yeah. It's also, up to this point in the movie, it's interesting how slow Bumblebee always drives. Yeah, she's able to catch up to Bumblebee on the moped. Yeah. Like, she might have been able to pass Bumblebee (laughs) on the moped. I mean, they were, like, on a neighborhood street. I don't think she's going top speed in Bumblebee, but yeah. But yeah, so we we move on from this to... um, then she starts training B more on how to. She takes him to like a secluded beach. Yeah. Uh, and sort of starts going through scenarios like, uh, if you see my parents or something, what do you do? You hide. And so she goes and hides behind a tree, and B sort of crouches down behind a rock. Behind a he buries his rock, head yeah. in the sand. <laughs> yeah. That's what he does with the person. He buries his head in the sand. Yeah. It's a, it's a very cute and funny scene. Yeah. Um, but eventually she gets her point across that, you know, he needs to make sure that he is mindful of of people because she doesn't want to see him get, uh, you know, taken away and chopped up and experimented on because he's an alien. So from here, like we sort of we get a bit more of a memo uh, like the the boy who was selling the churros at the uh, we find out that he's her neighbor here yes and she's leaving because like yeah which is really surprising because they talk to her yet if they're like living next to each other and they work together like almost work together not really but (laughs) so here's here's headcanon there um so maybe they have this is ron's house and they've moved in they've moved in with ron over the last like year and a half when she's super secluded yeah, that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah, it is a cul-de-sac that they're at. Yeah. And there's like those two houses, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that could be it. We, so, Memo sort, sort of, I'm trying to remember, does it go, Memo stumbles upon B when she's talking no, to him? first we have to walk through the woods. Yes, that's right. Mm. And we get another we get, memory and I think the message as well. Yes, because Charlie starts to try and, and fix B. Like he And she talks a little bit about family, which is a big yeah. theme in this, and like mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, he he doesn't know where he comes from and she tries to fix him a bit and then Yeah. 
they have a really nice day together, I, and she got yeah. to see a really big hologram of Optimus. Is, is this the yeah. first time that mm-hmm. she uh, that she brings up like the idea of like ten more months, and then I never have to deal with these people yeah. again? Yes. I I remember I remember a lot of my friends talking about. You know, oh, I can't wait to you know, this many more months, and then I'm never, you know, even though, you know, as if, as if when, as soon, the moment you graduate high school, you're completely independent of of your of your parents. <laughs> mm. It's like a very, it's a very something that a 17 year old would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. While she's fixing him, they get a message from Optimus, and he's, it's kind of breaking up. We don't get the whole message, but then it goes to a flashback on Cybertron. Which I really liked because we have a uh, sound wave versus Optimus, and he goes ravage, eject, and I'm like, there's yeah, our Beast Wars did a cr- there because he was a yep. Beast Wars character. Ravage the Beast Wars character, right? Yeah, he's originally a Beast Wars. Why the fuck was he a uh, cassette tape? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Ravage shows up in everything. Mm-hmm. I I feel like I feel like that is that is a character. Ravage is a character like. All, is is in like all of the stuff that I've been reading from, like you know the re redone G one stuff. It's 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 yeah. interesting. I, I mean, Soundwave uh, obviously is is an important character, but like Ravage mm-hmm. specifically as his cassette tape. Just just a also a neat point in the in the Unicron series, uh, uh Laserbeak and and Buzzsaw, which is uh, even a more co- kind of a pool you know pool for his mm. cassette minions. We're kind of actually a little like little characters that because um, like the Rumble and Frenzy also show up a lot, too, because they're just mini robots. You know, the the little cassette guys from yes. Soundwave. But the fact that, you know, Ravage and and Laserbeak and Buzzsaw all show up as well is kind of neat that they decided to make them very distinct. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really guess, like I it. guess the cassette tape thing is a is a. It's weird. I think I don't because even when I was growing up, uh, for me the '80s toys that was always one of my favorite things was uh, the both 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 um, Soundwave and uh, uh, Blaster. Like, yeah. like there was just something that awesome, like just seemed really cool to me that he could eject a tape from his chest and that would turn into another smaller robot. Yeah. And there's cool things he would do with that. Like in the first episode, Laserbeak is like listening in on an Autobot thing. And he goes back to Soundwave, turns back into a cassette, goes into Soundwave, and Soundwave like plays back what, what Laserbeak recorded. Like mm. just, just cool stuff like that. Yeah. The, the whole concept was, I'm sure they probably thought this is a cool character because we've got a big robot and then these little robots with it. And then... Yeah. And then they were able to sell like some of the additional cassettes, yeah, to go with them on the Cause, side. Because they did actually make other cassette cassette robot characters later that weren't yes. actually ever in the show. I think, mm. I think, because I remember, I remember there was a, uh, there was like these combined combiner ones that could turn that could turn into a robot that weren't that I don't think were ever packaged with either of them. Oh, okay. uh, Soundwave or Blaster. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. I think, yeah, I think you're right. I just can't remember the name of them now. Yeah, I can't either. <laughs> yeah, but. Okay, so what happens yeah. next? Yeah. The garage so, scene with the Breakfast Club. Yes. <laughs> Bumblebee's watching the Breakfast Club. <laughs> Throws his arm up and 
we get a, a bit of a bit more of a heart to heart with Charlie and and B, and she sort of lets him know what happened with her dad. Because she he puts in, um, she says like he can watch another thing after he finishes Breakfast Club, and he puts in the, a tape of a filming of her diving because she used yeah. to be uh, a diving champion, and mm-hmm. her dad's on the tape, and she explains later on in the scene after they. They have a they have a great scene where she's put she's installed the radio into Bumblebee now, mm-hmm. and we get we got a lot of different like music playing and he, Bumblebee likes Take on Me, but doesn't like the Smiths. And yeah. I, I also I also love the Rick roll that happens. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> that was really that made me laugh. It, it's like I could see someone groaning at that joke, but I thought it was really good. It and was. then um. She, you know, he looks, he starts looking at records and she explains that they're her dad's records. I mean, she explains what happened to her dad. That was the last time she ever saw him was on that tape. He had a heart attack after that and died. So what I really like about this scene is a lesser film. She would have uh, seen, you know, you know, had him put the tape in and like freaked out and take the tape out and blow up at him and run and storm off. Or something like that. But she like, but like a real person in this scene, she takes the tape out. She kind of loses her temper for a second. And then she's like, it's, it's not, that's not your fault. You know, it's my, you know, she kind of calms down. And then even though she's still feeling a little bit emotional when he goes, starts to go through the records, she says, she doesn't like blow up at him for that. She just says, please, you know, please don't touch those, you know, cause she's, she knows that yeah. the world is, you know, you know that uh, the bumblebee could destroy these things that are very important to her. Um, yeah. But she just she, you know, this is where she starts, where he starts to seem more human, and where and where she's, you know, kind of not treating him like a like a pet. She's treating him like a like a person, like, like her friend, yeah, and like a friend, she, yeah. And she also explains that why she's working on the Corvette is that's what her and her dad used to do together. That was their thing, and she's thinks that if she can finish the Corvette, she can get some closure with her dad's death. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, the, the music stuff, it's, it's really interesting because it's like, she's like in a, she's in a relatively good place with Bumblebee and like Bumblebee likes, likes happy music and stuff. And, and she puts in the Smiths, which is, and the song that she plays, that they play is like a really like melancholy, depressing <laughs> song. Because that's mm-hmm. what she's been into up until two days ago when she met Bumblebee. And he's like, that's yeah. not very, like, I don't like that. And he spits it yeah. out. Which... He's like, he's like jamming dick on me. And then she puts that in. And he kind of, he kind of waits for a bit. Like he gives it a chance, but then he's like, nah, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, yeah, so we get um, that heart to heart. I'm trying to remember. So after that, is that when Memo we, comes in? Well, no, or, no, no, then we, we get go back to the military seven. and we get the great line where like it's Powell and 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 uh, John Cena. This I can't remember his name. Are like Burns. discussing Burns. They're like they're debating on whether or not they should work with Decepticons. And John Cena has a great line where he's like, "They're literally called Decepticons. Does that not raise any red flags?" Yeah. <laughs> and I'm so glad somebody said it because, like, come on. <laughs> is this is this also where he also says, like, "With all due respect, sir, have you lost your damn mind?" Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
which I love the 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 callback to that or the the retort to that is like that's with all due respect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I think I even when I saw the movie and they and the scene prior to this where they introduce themselves as Decepticon peacekeepers, I even was thinking in the back of myself in the back of my head. I'm like, is is anybody gonna acknowledge that they're literally called Decepticons? And then he and then he brings it up. It's it's kind of like like I feel like this is a thing in in modern movies now where they, they if there's something that is that's kind of over the top or cheesy or whatever they have to kind of uh, they have to kind of explain you, you they have to either acknowledge that it's ridiculous you know sort of like a Spider Man no that's that's <laughs> you know uh, you, you know like like uh, and then it. How they how they acknowledge in the in Far From Home? There's a the way that they get Mysterio gets his name is 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 kind of a funny mo a fu- sort of funny meta moment, and mm. uh, and and I feel like a lot of films do that, but this this was a good a good one of those. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It came it, the the whole scene I thought came off really well, but the decision is made that they're going to help the Decepticons. Well, because well, like, how Powell wins them over is he drops, like, they're going to go to the Russians instead. And then instantly, yeah. the Americans are like, we can't let that happen, because that was, like, the pol- the political climate at the time was, like, like that's that's all he has to say to get them on his side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you want and to be they, the one that lost the Cold War? Yeah. And, yeah. But it, in that day and age, at that time, yeah, that would have still been big on American military minds because I think was it the early 90s where the wall came down or was it late 80s it was late 80s I think it was yeah. uh, so it wouldn't be for another couple of I, years I think, I think, we looked it up yeah, yeah we looked it up when we were watching it and it was it wasn't too far after this that yeah. it happened right I mean I mean uh, uh, didn't Reagan say to tear down the wall yes mm-hmm. yeah you're right yeah, because it was Reagan and that it was Bush. So, yeah. So, so we get that. Um, they they show the Decepticons where, you know, they they've got all their technology. We see, as Jordan mentioned earlier, we get the War Games computer. Mm-hmm. Um, the Decepticons ask, you know, are those te- telecommunications devices connected worldwide? <laughs> And they they want access to <laughs> and they, and the satellites the as well. Oh yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They pretty much invent the internet. It's good. <laughs> There's a continuity note mentioning that the the whole idea of like you know the DARPA interconnected computer things was actually going on since the 70s, mm-hmm. kind of thing. But it's it's just a small thing. I mean, like it's cute. Like he calls yeah. it. Yeah, like, he's like an interconnected web of information. It's like you mean yeah. the interweb. <laughs> 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 so moving on from here so now we've got memo he's he's discovered bumblebee at this point yeah. now but bumblebee's messing with his stations but we don't know why he's doing that yet and yeah. as you can see where memo's like trying to psych himself up for going in and mm-hmm. he's an idiot because he just fucking opens the door he's a knock like what the fuck dude yeah <laughs> You just walk. He doesn't know her at all. He hasn't introduced himself to her yet, and he just walks into her garage. <laughs> Although it's pretty funny because once, once he's in there and he's freaking out, she's like, "Okay," she's like trying to get him to calm down. She's like, "Okay, you can't tell anybody because if you tell anybody, 
I'm gonna have to run you over with a car. <laughs> and he he looks like you're like, whoa, like that's 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 harsh. Like, okay, well maybe I maybe I don't have that in me. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's it's a cute scene, um, and of course he sort of you know they they sort of bond a little bit in that moment, and uh, yeah, this this is his in to yeah. being her friend. So like he's gonna go along because she says you can't tell anyone about this, and he's like, yeah, okay, and yeah. So this is another movie where or another moment where a lesser movie would have uh, been like, OK, I won't tell anybody, but you have to go to dinner with me or something yeah. like that. Like, but I really like I really like the way that they have. I mean, he obviously has a thing for her and she not so much for him. I like the way that they handle their relationship throughout the throughout this film. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it too. was good. Also, apologies if you guys hear uh, uh, cat noises. Uh, my cat keeps trying to jump on my desk. Um, she gets very love starved when I'm podcasting. Oh, um, that's okay. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm doing my best, and, and also yeah. making sure that she doesn't turn off the recording, which happens from time to time. <laughs> Let's hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah. That. No, we're we're good. We're good. We're still going. She yeah. hasn't done it yet. An hour and fifty six cool. minutes in. Jeez, we need to get through this. Yes. <laughs> need dinner. Yeah. So. Uh, we do get a bit, yeah, I'll try and run through this a bit quicker now. So, but we do get sort of a, a bit more of an extended scene of Charlie and Memo and B and they're, you know, they're driving around, they're, they're checking out some stuff. We get like this moment where Charlie puts a blindfold on and it happens to be Memo's shirt. Yeah. <laughs> and Memo's um, ripped for some yeah. reason. Yeah. Memo is like, fucking like, like he's super jacked yeah. like, uh, <laughs> like they, they kind of play him off as like a nerd outcast kid yeah but for a nerd outcast kid he goes to the gym pretty regularly it seems I mean, like, dude just, just walk around his shirt off more and girls will like you this is the 80s so people weren't fat yet and he's also <laughs> he's also like 17 so you know i mean he's you know he's, no, he's at, he's, at he's, his peak, he's, peak physical appearance okay but he's not just like Skinny, he's like got muscle definition. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's one. Of, well, he's he a probably dude. See, kids, this is why you're supposed to play outside. He probably, <laughs> well, no, he probably, uh, he probably like has like a his own garage where he has like a set of weights and he never talks to people, he just pumps weights all day and all night. Yeah, because like yeah. And we, we see the popular guy take a shirt off too, and like they're not much different in terms of like definition, like, yeah, but yeah, anyways. They go to like this beach thing where like all the popular kids are having a party. Troy tries to get her to uh, dive, and this is where we get um, "You Got the Touch." I love you that got part. Because B like tr- smacks yeah. her in the backside with the door, and it's playing. I'm like, perfect. He's trying to convince her to like do the diving, but she uh, uh, she can't. And this is where we get the mean girl going like way fucking overboard. Oh, yeah. She's like, why don't you get your dad to buy you a new car? Oh, that's right. Sorry. And it's like, dude, like, I know you're a mean girl, but like fucking hell. And then she gets she gets exactly what she deserves because Memo and Bumblebee convince her to like seek revenge. <laughs> they try to teach. They try to TP and Egger play just some really cute scenes with like Bumblebee trying to like figure out how to TP yeah, and how to tosses egg. an entire package of yeah. papers out or toilet so, paper. But he does it really well. 
That's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, he misses a tree. If he had, if he had gotten a tree, it would have been perfect. Oh, yeah. But yeah, with the eggs, he's he starts like he doesn't just egg the car. He like smashes them up into his hands and rubs them all over the car. And they're like, "Yeah, be good job." He gets a little overexcited and just smashes <laughs> the car to shit. <laughs> It's it's good. So, so um, again, I think Chico deserves that. With what oh, totally. Did. And and also and also they can afford a new car. Yeah, oh, yeah they, I they mean, she's gonna get it. Could. She's gonna get a new car, or maybe she won't get a new car. You know, right away or whatever. But yeah, yeah I mean, she deserves. Yeah. I mean, like, hopefully that was she a lives girl's in, car. Like a, it looks like a mansion. Like yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it was her car because like her license plate says "You wish." Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. I also she like how got it like for her 16th birthday when Bumblebee goes overboard and they're like, oh, quick hide!" and they all hide, and then they're like, "Where's Bumblebee?" and they look over and he's a yeah, he's <laughs> tipped over the there, he's just right there. Yeah, yeah, another good hiding scene. Also, something <laughs> we forgot to mention is that the the car ride with Memo is where we first start to see that Bumblebee's starting to learn how to speak using the radio. Yes, mm-hmm. and it's good. Yeah, and I like, I do like, I it actually, I didn't, it didn't occur to me until this viewing that when he's just going up and down the dial and up and down the dial and up and down the dial, he's, he's learning all of the different songs that could possibly be playing on the radio and, and other stuff like that. Probably recording some stuff too. Right. Right. Recording. Yeah. Recording some stuff. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. He's probably recording. He's probably recording the clips and that's how he can uh, pull them out. Um, Cause he does, he does like later in the movie, play something and it's something that charlie said so i guess he is recording what he's hearing mm-hmm. um but that that kind of explains because it always it always bugged me when bumblebee could always find something on the radio that was a perfect song that was saying exactly what he wanted to say at the exact right time so sort yeah. of spending a little bit of time in this movie where he is figuring it out is yeah. is really is really good um and then oh with the so with the with the egging scene and then they and then they run off and then they uh, get overexcited. So they're driving too fast. So they so this the, is the scene that I was like, this was where that mu- the choice in music definitely works for this movie because <laughs> because you've got B who's speeding along. They're getting chased by a police car. And what's playing? I can't drive 55 by Sammy Hager. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and this is also where we get the most like partial transformations where he like really utilizes it to like mm-hmm. do crazy stunts, like hanging yeah. onto the guardrail uh, with his hand while still a car. It shows him like, uh, and he does a partial a transformation tunnel. with them inside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I was, and it, when you watch it, you're like, well, maybe wouldn't this, uh, wouldn't this police officer have like seen something or whatever, but two things, first of all, <coughs> sorry. First of all, like the police officer doesn't know what he's seeing. Like it's at night and this car is doing things that he wouldn't expect cars to be able to do. Nobody's going to believe mention, the story. There's no video. Yeah. He does mention that it's driving him itself. Yeah. On yeah. The radio. yeah. Yeah. Cause they, cause they <laughs> he like, manages to fold the seats down. down. Yeah. They, they fold, they fold the seats back and, <laughs> Um, but, uh, but uh, so, so like sort of between like all the different stuff, uh, at, at, at most, uh, first of all, like nobody's going to believe his story anyway, he doesn't know what he saw. And then also things escalate the next day pretty quickly. Yes. Um, 
So the the kind of kind of lets you hand wave all this stuff. But I really like I really like that they got away with it. Mm-hmm. Like they they didn't you know it wasn't a situation where they were at the where they ended up at the police station and had to be bailed out or da, 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 da. they just you know they wanted to they were they were wronged and they blew off some steam doing some stuff that making some decisions that kids would make but maybe aren't the best decisions and uh, and they they got away with it you know and they'll remember they'll remember doing that for the rest of their life absolutely but yeah it it, it was a really good scene and yeah. the music for it i loved how just how it all played out it really worked well for me <laughs> um but yeah it, it's so they they get back home uh charlie tells b that you know he's got a he's gonna have to stay low for the next little while she obviously can't drive him to work because the police are going to be looking for the car so he's got to stay under the blanket in the garage Mm -hmm. uh which doesn't really go over that well because it doesn't take long for b to start exploring i guess you could say well, the, the dog encouraged him. He likes that's dogs. True. Yeah, yeah. the The dog. Uh, there, there's a little doggy door for the garage. Um, so the dog goes through, and then you see B sort of peek through, and then he breaks the door. Yeah, yeah. breaks the door. And, and as soon as he breaks the door, it's like, okay, you can't keep him perfectly a secret anymore. All bets yeah. are off. Yeah. What's going to happen? It gets way worse, too, because he just fucks up the whole house. Oh, like, so yeah. Cute stuff happens. Like, it, it, we I, could go through the whole scene, but again, we're we, running out of time. But yeah, pretty much, but I, he fucks the house up. Yeah. Long, and he, like... This is where the tab is. It culminates in him, like, putting his, like, finger into a socket, which causes his Energon signature to go through the telephone wires, and then they get a hit. Decepticons on where Bumblebee is. Because apparently so, electrical sockets go through the phone lines. It's okay. Don't yeah. worry about it. Don't worry about <laughs> it. Uh, so but I do want to mention that this was a scene that they actually kind of cut up and changed. There was supposed to be, I, maybe when he put his finger in the socket, but I'm not sure exactly when, but he, he was supposed to, it was supposed to kind of harken back to the Allsmark idea and him getting shocked was supposed to create a bunch of like crazy mutate like mutated uh transformers out of the appliances. Okay. That sounds like they, something that would happen in a Michael Bay movie. Yeah, yeah and mm-hmm. and Memo and and Charlie were supposed to come back and help fight them off a little bit. And there's still remnants of that scene. Like it was in production so very light because there's a there's a couple of things that if you're really quick like I didn't notice until I read the article, but if you look you like there's uh a POV view, view that actually is from the washing machine when Charlie comes in uh, and the washing machine itself is very weirdly in the sitting in the wrong place. The TV is not where it was when even at the beginning and someone asked about why the cord was cut because apparently yeah. that was how they stopped them from, you know, attacking them was to unplug them or turn power them off. Oh, interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Later in later in the film he says, Did you cut the cord on the TV? Because up That's at right, that yeah, point like, I was like, well, I don't think she did. Yeah, because <laughs> up to that at that point, like she says to her mom, she's like, This is my fault. I'm sorry, I'll talk to you about it later. Like it's well, not like here's, 
here's what she should have fucking done, though. It's been like, I came home and it was like this, because no one's going to believe that she did it unless she says she did it. Right. Yeah. Like, like she, she's just a girl. I, she's just one person. Yeah, like, I even <laughs> thought... I even thought that if, when I, you know, just remembering it from seeing it six months ago, that it was that she had that they had said, oh, no, we've been robbed mm-hmm. uh, because that would, you know, make sense if like yeah. brothers came in and trashed the place. But I guess not. Yeah. But that's OK. Well, Everything's up to it for some reason. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> well, she's just very honest. She was raised. <laughs> she was raised well by, by good parents. Um, yeah. I the, what I like about this scene is it is because this is this is the scene that makes this movie Transformers E.T. Um, yeah. But it's like it's it's just great because he's too big. <laughs> he's just too big <laughs> for everything. Like yeah. there's also a point when Charlie comes comes in and sees B and yells at him. He he like <laughs> he turns into a car to try turns and into hide. A car, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and and then when he leaves the scene, it's like his bottom half is still a car, so he kind of scooters out, and it's yes. really good. And, and there's also there's a moment when he first get when after he breaks down the door, but when he comes in, he kind of does like like stealthily go through the door without hurting anything. So for like a second, you're like, well, maybe it's just going to be a little bit, but like everything he does just. He just destroys everything he touches, which, which is which is exactly what would happen in this situation. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's just a big domino effect. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, it's good, it's good stuff. It's oh good yeah. Stuff. But as she's leaving, this is where we get the kind of like fight with her mom, where her mom like mentions what you said before, like you spent all day in the garage, and she says like every you know, mom, just because you moved on and you're happy, you know, doesn't mean that I have, and like. She's clearly got like depression about her dad dying, and but like it's the eighties. They don't talk about that kind of stuff. Like they just think she's kind of acting out at the time, and yeah. now it's kind of coming to the forefront. Well, and and I mean also like I mean if this wasn't a movie where the things, I mean she is like almost she is in her way like this this story is how she learns to move on. And I yes. mean, maybe everybody else, I mean, maybe everybody else, like, just kind of, just kind of moved past it. Everybody's trying to move on their process. You know, she just needs a little bit more time. Mm-hmm. And, and that's probably part of the reason why her mom is okay with her acting out so much throughout. Like, she just, you know, she just needs a little more time. And, and if there hadn't been a transformer to come into her life, then, you know, maybe she would have <laughs> got eventually gotten a car or she would have gotten the gotten the 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 what is it a corvette yeah corvette the corvette started or she would have done you know she would have found that you know she would have met somebody met a friend met a manic pixie dream girl and and had (laughs) you know had some sort of coming of age adventure you know something would have happened that she where she that triggered her to move on this is just what what it was um Hmm. i I don't know i just it's it's really nice that the her mom is that she she does have parents who are decent human beings like it's not like she has you know passive aggressive abusive uh, you know a, like like her like yeah like she doesn't have like a passive aggressive mother or someone yeah. who you know like she's just they're just dealing with a crappy situation and um yeah and yeah she does she does yell at her mom for the thing but even notice is actually a pretty good step uh stepbrother 
in comparison. Is he? A, no, he's, he's a he's a brother. Yeah, he's not that brother. Yeah, oh, he he is brother. Okay, I wasn't yeah. I wasn't sure if he Otis, was brother or Otis stepbrother. Is, Otis is the mother's son. It's a very clear okay. how she acts with him. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's in the picture. There's a picture. There's a family picture. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. So from from the argument, Charlie and Memo and B head off. Uh, but then they're intercepted by Sector 7. Yeah, uh, she has a moment with Memo where she talks about how she feels like she's been a drain on everybody. And like yeah. I said, this kind of makes you think of like, you know, like it's it's like a depression thing. Like um, it sounds like depression. And she, but then, yeah, the military shows up and we can't talk, and you know, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, also there's a moment where uh, with the mom, with Mamo or Mamo, what's the guy's name? Mamo. Mamo, like M-A-M-O? Mamo. M-E-M-O. Like memorandum. Memo. Like a, like a, like a memo that they sent out at the office that says follow the dress code. short. I like that. I like that. He's like, these hair things, they're my sisters. She likes to play pranks where she puts her hair products yeah. in my room. Yeah, that's. And, she doesn't uh, give it up. She doesn't give a shit. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, because he's he's still, like, she's got bigger things to worry about, and he's still thinking about uh, how he wants her to be his girlfriend. And, yeah. and it's. Uh, and he's not like he's not creepy about it, but he's but no. he still has those feelings. And I think that they no, absolutely they um, it's it's very that's a very thin line in film to like have <laughs> oh, some yeah. have a character who is a lo- is a, a potential love interest, but not come off as creepy. Yeah, and I think they, they no, I thought they well. did it pretty well. With yeah, those. no, I, the, and could have easily been a terrible character, but they nailed I think mean, they nailed it. With oh, them. yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. totally. I, and I think when we were watching, Emily, I mentioned there did seem quite a few moments where it was a little creepy, but I, I, I'm I, very willing to chalk that up to uh, teenage awkwardness as well. Oh, you know, I mean, like, like, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, they're 17 year olds, so they're not going to. They're not going to do things exactly. Right, the- right. It would be very different if he was if he was a, a if An these adult. were two 30 year olds. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I I think he treads that he treads that line. Well, he never he never acts entitled. Um, and then and then they don't and then, you know, they don't get together. So, yeah, that's kind of that's actually like one of my favorite things about this movie is that they're able to just, you know, just be friends because that's mm-hmm. that's hard when one person has when one person has romantic feelings and the other one doesn't, um, and uh, and they're able to just kind of you know, yeah, just be friends or whatever. Yep. So B is captured by Sector Seven and t- taken to a military base that's nearby. The Decepticons show up too, and we see that they're triple changers because they're yeah. like, yes, which is cool. Yeah. yeah. So it, it turns so. So Shatter is both uh, a, a muscle car and also a Harrier jump jump. Mm-hmm. Dropkick is a muscle car and a super what they call a super cobra, which was like a sort of like a Comanche type of, of attack helicopter at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so we they, they transformed from jets, jet and helicopter to cars and then to robots. Mm-hmm. And when they attack Bumblebee, uh, they sort of note how he's not like defending himself. How yeah, he's not he doesn't remember how to fight. Yeah, like, 
So it, it's it, it's a pretty swift fight for them to to get B. Um, Charlie is knocked unconscious. Um, because they start they, the military starts like tasering B, and she yes. touches B, and he's made of metal. Yeah. yeah. So she gets knocked out. <laughs> yeah. And then so once she wakes up, she sort of takes it upon herself to she's got to find B. Uh, because when she wakes up, uh, John Cena's character is there. He's explaining what's happened. Yeah, she wakes up in her own bed, which I yeah. thought, like, oh, shit, are they just going to, like, leave her there and then not, like, even talk to the parents? Or, like, yeah. but no, he's there and he's talking to them. And there's a really funny part here where, like, um, the, the, the dad says, like, you know, like, when I was a kid, I stole this one thing. And then John <laughs> Cena's like, we know. Yeah, we know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so. When I first saw that, I thought it was a it was like a, a nanny state thing, like of a, you know, we we know everything about everybody all at all times. But also, like, they probably looked at like her and the people that she lives with, like criminal record, and yeah. and he probably had even like a sealed even like a sealed juvenile record, and they mm-hmm. saw that like the only crime that any of them had ever committed was that the the stepdad did a crime. Mm-hmm. When he was the 16. way I the further go with this, the way I saw it was because of the way they interconnected all the computers. When they found out where he was, like where Bumblebee was, they did do a search on them, but they also got all of the information they needed to because all the computers were connected. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's yeah. true. Yeah, that makes sense. But mm-hmm. regard, I mean, regardless, like I think it was, I, it was more that they do thorough work yeah it's yeah we are always watching yeah exactly yeah. exactly yeah i mean i think that i think that if because because when because when i saw it the first time i was thinking that he had stolen something and gotten away with it and and then the government knew the government actually knew but this is more like i i but when i see it the second time it was more like yeah like he had he had a juvenile a sealed juvenile criminal record that they were able to access it was yeah. the thing he stole was a box of malomars which i don't know what those are <laughs> They're Malamars are like a, a chocolate candy, bar, aren't they? Yeah, I think like so. Type of candy. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a very minor crime and like whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like they, they're they're telling the the family that she stole government property and that's what happened. She's like, nah, they stole him. Like he's not theirs. And mom's like, he. And then Justina's like, oh, it's a it, ma'am. And that's like the one thing that I don't find believable about mm-hmm. Cena's character is that he doesn't like I get that he doesn't like the robots that's fine mm-hmm. he has good reasons to not like them the fact that he won't acknowledge that they're sentient sapient uh, creatures is a I, little weird I think in this <laughs> in this scene he is suggesting that 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 Bumblebee is a like a government like a like an experimental military yeah, vehicle I, I I would agree with you but he says it later too like when they're like trying to take down Bumblebee again and she's there like Charlie's there like she's like it's a machine like she he's like getting mad at her and like oh okay I don't yeah. remember that I don't remember that scene uh yeah. so Malamar is also just a, a fact check I I looked I looked it up <laughs> um they are it looks like a cookie that is got a marshmallow on it and uh, chocolate poured over it. And there's kind of a, like a, almost a Hershey Kiffs. Uh, I, I suspected you know, marshmallows were being called mallow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they, it looks like they come in uh, like, like a, you know, like a, like a chips. Ahoy. It looks, it's a, akin to, yeah. I mean, Nabisco makes them. It looks like it's kind of like a chips Ahoy level cookie. Okay. Oh. Celebrating a hundred years. 
Oh, oh wow. Um, so Charlie takes it upon herself to rescue B. Uh, really she good. sort of sneaks out of the house. Uh, <laughs> uh, she goes over to Memos and or no, wait, first her brother. She goes, she, well, she goes to Memos and then Otis catches her yeah. after getting Memos' attention by throwing rocks at his window. The classic. Yeah. Yeah. And I really like this because, like, her brother, like, they could have easily made him, like, a little shit stain. Mm-hmm. But he's, like, he's a believable little brother who, like, she loves him and he loves her. They're just, like, you know, a little bit like, oh, I'm going to tell mom on you kind of thing. Like, it's really well done. I really yeah. like the brother character. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I like him as well. In, mm-hmm. in, in, in a Bay movie, he would have just been a little shit stain. Oh, yeah. Right, right. But in this, he's, like an actual cool kid or he would have or he would have been like a like a savant in a in a in a lesser film like like he would have he would have like used his karate skills to defeat one of the lesser (laughs) oh god God, (laughs) i'm so glad it's not in film he would have fought fought the coffee maker in that scene Um, but, uh, but yeah, instead, instead, like, she's like, okay, you can be part of this. And I like, I do like that. She knows that she knows he's not going to be able to talk her parents out of, out of coming after her or whatever. Like she knows he's not going to be able to do anything, but she wants him to stay safe. And the best way to keep him safe is to make him think that he is, that he is helping her, that he's in on the plan. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Cause what winds up happening is. Charlie and Memo go off to this military facility while he stays behind at the house to sort of pretend that she's in her room. Um, So Charlie and Memo get to the base and they're witnessing B getting pretty much tortured by the the Decepticons at this point. He's hung up on a chain. They're just beating him up and asking him questions. Yeah. Um, Oh, actually. Powell's there as well. yeah. 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 Um, B's message from Optimus uh, winds up getting played over the course of this, and it's it's not nearly as garbled. Yeah, this time it's not broken up at all. We get the yeah. full message, and Powell starts to realize that the Decepticons are the bad guys. Yeah. Well, yeah, because <laughs> because uh, when Powell comes in, he doesn't really make much of a noise, so they didn't actually notice him. Mm-hmm. And Shatter actually goes on to like, oh, so they're all coming here then we'll just wait for them to show up and raise the planet to the ground. Yeah. Cause even you know? when they're torturing B, I think, I think he's still on board with them. Cause it's like, he's from the he's, military. This shit happens. Yeah. Right, right. Like, but like, as soon as like the message from Optimus happens and they said, they're going to burn the planet to the ground. That's when he tries to call, uh, burns. And yeah. say like, I made a mistake. Like, yeah. You I, were, I like Powell as a character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was trying to do the right thing in his eyes, but it fucked him in the face. And what did it, what did it get him? He got vaporized. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, he got soft as well. That's an interesting yeah. take. I I feel like I feel like Powell is pretty in it for himself. Like, and I mean, initially he's he's kind of a he felt like the most like a a Michael Bay character of of there, these there guys. There was some moments where he was like really glad to be here because he was like I'm going to be famous for making first contact oh, right, kind definitely. of. He definitely well, had that. But also he was like them, but... he was really excited about the technology being forwarded and he wanted to like talk to aliens but I don't think he I don't think it was exclusively from a narcissistic point of view. Right. It's also just a cool thing to meet aliens. Right, right. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. That's I I I guess I guess I I I see that. I just I lean I 
I think he was more so in it for himself. Like the, I mean, the military stuff in general felt the most similar to a, oh, yeah. a Michael Bay movie, yeah. and yeah. Uh, and his character very much could have been uh, like who's the who's the annoying guy that shows up and is really smart, and he's like in like all of them, and like one of them he's like living Simmons. with his mom. Yeah, Simmons. is that him? And Simmons is is in this movie too. Yeah, a young Simmons. Yeah, yeah. very young Simmons but is like, the one like, who tells it tells Cena's character about the Decepticons arriving. I don't know. I, I mean, and I don't remember. I don't remember a lot of details from the Michael Bay movies, but yeah, I, I don't know. I felt like Powell was well. First of all, first of all, it was um, like the. I feel like the mission statement of a lot of not just Michael Bay movies, but a lot of these sort of alien invasion movies is the military is right. We should just kill all the aliens as soon as they come to. <laughs> You know, and so and so his character is being the sort of self-righteous, selfish scientist type character. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I don't I, I don't I don't particularly like that. But I mean, it's I mean, he's fine. Like he's not. I, as yeah. could be. He wasn't he wasn't full on annoying, I guess. I understand that reading of the character, but I have a, a little bit more of a favorable view on him, I guess. <laughs> Well, it's easy. It's easy to see one way or the other with that character. It was very, you know, you you could definitely tell that he had some leanings to more self-serving. But at the same time, you could also see that he was like genuinely excited about the prospect of being able to meet an alien for the first time. Yeah, I just I don't know. I I wish that it would have been. I guess we had the whole rest of the movie that shows that aliens aren't all evil. So I guess (laughs) that works. (laughs) <laughs> uh, so yeah, so he gets he gets turned to goo, and fortunately yep. that is uh, what's the what's the Decepticon guy's name? Oh, Dropkick. That's Dropkick's yeah. last um, turn human to goo shot because he never does yes. it again, which yeah. is really convenient oh. because all the characters that matter show up eventually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but what winds up happening is uh, Dropkick blasts B. Uh, they go to leave because they're they have they they're aware of a tower that communicate can communicate with the satellites that they're connected i, I guess we yeah. should mention like the message that prime says is that earth is the new autobot base that's the yes. main takeaway mm-hmm. yeah. so they think like we don't have to go find prime we can just bring the Decepticons here and defeat all the autobots at once yeah yeah and they actually say that <laughs> so we probably yeah. should put that in right, right, right. <laughs> yeah yeah so as the Decepticons go off, Charlie and Memo, you know, they go into the garage. Uh, Charlie is distraught. She's trying to figure out a way to to sort of bring B back to life. And they still got these these sort of taser guns from earlier when they caught B. So she's getting Memo to to hand her these guns. I think she shoots like what four or five of them. Yeah, she's trying to defibrillate yeah. him. Yeah. Um, eventually, they run out of guns. And so she's pretty distraught, but then B sort of rises up, uh, reactivated. And uh, one of the things that we see now is B's memory. Like there's this little bar when you see like the POV of, of Bumblebee is there's this little bar that says that his memory is restored. So he just yeah. needed a reboot. Pretty much. Ah, yeah, sometimes that's all a computer needs. This is like people at work <laughs> and I'm like, when was the last time you rebooted their com- your computer? And like, I never reboot my computer. It's probably been like three months. <laughs> Like you're supposed See, here, to do it here's what happened. It was like it's like a laptop that was in the midst of a Windows update, but it was on battery power at the time. <laughs> so it didn't install correctly until you rebooted. Right, right. Yeah. 
yeah, that's that's basically it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so once B, so uh, B's Burns awakening shows, is short lived yeah. because Burns shows up. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he essentially is like, "Yeah, we're taking this thing down once and for all." But over the course of that, like Charlie is like, "Fight back, B, fight back," and finally his memory kicks in, and then yeah, and this it, is the part where like this is the can, Iron Giant scene. Well, yeah, and also mm-hmm. like this is where like uh, Burns is like, um, "It's a machine." And she says he is more human than you'll ever be, and 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 elbows burns in the stomach, which causes mm-hmm. burns to throw her to the ground, which is what causes B to go into berserk mode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and it was interesting about like I know it's an Iron Giant reference, but also it's interesting to note that Red Eyes are Decepticons. Yeah. So I'm wondering <laughs> if like a little bit of Decepticon code like was getting in the B's system here. Where, like, if he had just kept rampaging, he might have been a Decepticon eventually. <laughs> but because he has, like, Charlie to ground him, much like Katara grounds Aang out of the Avatar state, you know, they're able to, like, get him back. <laughs> See, if she could, if she had not been able to convince B, would he have turned into Waspinator? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but, yeah, so... She and B go off to to try and stop the Decepticons. Memo's like, I'll try and buy you some time. And literally the only time he buys is maybe three seconds. He, does, he but, doesn't but, buy time. They just go right yeah. by. But, you know, like, the thought that counts is she gives him a little kiss yeah. on the cheek. Yeah. Little He's like, that still counts. <laughs> yeah, I liked I, I liked him. His his little his couple of little comic beats here mm-hmm. in their in the rest of it. Yeah, like he. He completely doesn't, yeah, he completely doesn't uh, uh, make any difference. And then at the very end, he's like, I'm here to help. And there's, it's already over. Yeah. Like, it's, it's nice, like, and it's nice that they didn't do that, like, over and over and over, over the course of the whole movie. Like, that it's just those two, kind of those two moments. But yeah. they're, but they're two pretty good moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because what, what winds up happening, we get a bit of an extended chase scene. Uh, Charlie's mom and ron and otis sort of act as a bit of a barrier between sector seven and her and b yeah uh, yeah because they're, they, they're trying to get her okay sorry jordan Go i was on. gonna say they they figure out what happened that charlie ran off because otis wouldn't say where or otis kept saying that she's Char- fine sleeping charlie in her bed taken ill <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's reading it like verbatim from what she told yeah. him yeah, so they're like, where is she? They find out, and so they got in the station wagon and are trying to drive to find her, and that's, at this point, is when they catch up with them. Yeah, and at first they're trying to convince her to, like, pull over, but then she's like, no, I have to do this, and then Ron's like, okay, we're gonna help her. Mm-hmm. Yes. And he, like, and he starts, like, being a barrier between the military and them by swerving across the road and not letting them be able to get by, and that's where he says, like, I learned this on Miami Vice! <laughs> And it's basically yep. that the moment in Toy Story where all the cars like kind of kind of block the intersection. Although I love that, like it's like every single car almost hits them. You know, they almost yeah. get hit by the semi. They almost get hit, and then one car finally like flips over them. But like, but like nobody actually hits anybody for most of that. Yeah, it's, it's very but it's well also like one of those scenes where they're all screaming in that, and then at the end of it, like the mom Sally goes over. It's like Ron, there's a kid in the car. I was trying to save the other kid. <laughs> <laughs> it's a no-win situation. And then Otis sits up and he's like, "That was 
That was radical. And yeah. then he barfs. <laughs> and I was surprised they showed him barf. I thought they were just going to have him, like, go down and have the barf right, sound. Right. But he actually, mm-hmm. like, fucking upchucks right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, kids barf a lot. It's a thing. Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> it's true. And, they can um, so the Decepticons are heading to this, like, satellite that they actually mentioned a few times earlier in the movie. In fact, yes. Uncle Hank mentions it. Oh yeah, since they put that section. tower up, yeah. yeah, yeah, which I thought was was cute. Um, on, on rewatches, that they actually mentioned it really early in the movie. Um, and they're trying to send a signal at the Decepticons, and B and Charlie have to stop the signal from getting out before, uh, you know, before before the powers it up to get it to get yeah. off, and Decepticons come to Earth. Yeah, it's got like a charging phase where it's it's building up a charge to be able to have enough power to send out the signal. Yes. Um, B has a. a I thought it was a pretty good fight with Dropkick. Yeah, yeah. I thought where he, where, he, where he drives up the side of the wall and then, like, knocks down on him. And then when he gets the chain, I, I made a joke yes. that, like, um, he, he actually got a chance to play some Castlevania. So that's how I learned <laughs> to do that. <laughs> I, yes. I love the, cha- the chain when he wraps him up and it's like, you're not going to, you think that'll hold me? And then he, like, pulls him up, pulls him to pieces. That was like a... That was all. That was what I would call it, like almost like a Joss Whedon death, like yeah. just like just like straight up. You know, it's like in you know, it's in like fire, one of those it's like something out of Firefly or something. Yeah, it's like one of those ha you miss and like oh did I and then the rock behind them falls on them kind of which thing. which happens right. later too. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So while Bumble Bumblebee can't really stop the tower because he's busy fighting Dropkick, so Charlie takes it upon herself to climb the tower and take out the thing. Um, Burns shows up, and it's a really weird thing where Burns is like talking yeah. to someone, but he doesn't have a co-pilot. So it's yeah. like, who is he talking to? Like, and even if you say like, oh, he's talking back to base, there's a part where he's like about the crash, and he goes like, hold on to something, and it's like, who yeah. are you talking? <laughs> like, I, I, I theorize that maybe this was something that was cut or like changed there, but not even the articles mentioned that specifically. So. If it was, no one figured it out yet. I don't know. I I feel like I feel like uh, it's just that it's just that um, burn burn and the military stuff. A lot of that is just taken from a Michael Bay movie. So like you just kind of yeah. like the re- just focus on the other stuff. Like it's fine. Yeah. Maybe maybe Memo was originally supposed to be in the helicopter with him. Oh I don't yeah, know. yeah, that would make sense. Well, maybe could be. But yeah. anywho, um, he gets shot down. During while he's trying to shoot down Shatter and Bumblebee saves his life, yes. which gets him to like think like, oh, maybe there's a good robot boy here. Yeah, because what one so B is like sort of stuck because of the the way that the helicopter crashed. So Charlie's trying to get the power cell uh, out of the tower, and Shatter is you know trying to to stop her. Obviously, I mean she can turn into a jet. She tries to to get her. B eventually is able to, you know, get involved uh, and he and Shatter have a have a battle. Shatter seems to have the upper hand. Yeah, like Charlie B- stops it from happening and now Shatter's just pissed and she's going to yeah. kill yeah. the fuck out of B. Yeah. Um, I'll, B- add, I'll add with oh. the Charlie bit. Um, I really like that this is not something that just anybody could do. Mm-hmm. This is something mm-hmm. that, that, Ch- that Charlie has the skills to you know, to, to, to use the tools and stuff. I mean, it's not like it's the, it's not like she yeah. has to rebuild a car engine or anything, but she yeah. does have to, like, she, she knows, 
she knows her way around uh, around a junkyard, around a construction site or whatever. She finds some tools, mm-hmm. and then and they and then she has to actually use those tools and know the right you know the right size wrench. They establish early in the film that she's That's, you know that she knows what she's talking about. Yeah, um, it's it's just it's just a very nice like she is she is she is legitimately capable. She's not somebody who is just like a normal person thrown into an extraordinary situation and then suddenly magically becomes capable. Yeah. 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 She, it's, it, it was very well designed that she had, you know, she, 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 like you said, she's capable. She knows what she's doing, but at the same time, it also doesn't make, it doesn't have it come off as like a Mary Sueish type thing. It, right, right, it, right. I, yeah. I thought it was very well handled in that respect. Um, eventually, B is sort of like pinned by Shatter, and he shoots this dam uh, that's that's holding back the water because this is like a sort of a like dry a construct. Yeah, it's like a dry dock. Um, Shatter's like, this is going to kill both of us, and you know, it, it's pretty much the and B's like Piccolo shoots. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but there's, you know, the water crashes into them. There's this boat that comes, you know, right in, crushes, shatter. Um, it shatters, shatter, you could say. (laughs) I had to get one of those in. Um, B is is underwater at this point. And this is sort of where we got, where the foreshadowing of earlier with the diving comes in. Mm -hmm. Uh, because Charlie's up on the tower, uh, but she wants to get to B, so she dives into the water. And, you know, she swims to B. You know, they have a nice little touching moment under the water. Uh, they both sort of climb out. And as they're trying to, to walk away, Burns stops them. But, uh, you know, he's had a change of heart at this point. Yeah. And I li- he- I, sorry. No, go ahead. I really like when he salutes B and B yeah. just does the breakfast yeah, He does the fist pump. <laughs> It's so good. <laughs> so, so uh, I thought it was I thought it was interesting, and I go back and forth on whether I like it or I don't like it. She did not need to dive in. He was fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. yeah. Um, it in the moment it makes sense for her to have do- mm-hmm. dove in to make sure he was okay. Yeah, and she had to overcome it and stuff. I just don't know whether it would have been better or worse if she had had to do something. I mean, I guess the thing is, like, he's way stronger than her. So if he was, like, trapped under under a rock or something, it's not like she could lift it off of him. Yeah. I mean, that wouldn't mm-hmm. have made sense. Like, I don't know. I don't know what they could have done that she would have where she would have been able to fix him underwater before she ran out of breath. Yeah. Um, but uh, but it, but it's just kind of an interesting kind of an interesting choice that that he was there wasn't anything she needed to do. She could have just climbed down and he would have, and just like, you know, hoped for the best. And then he would have come out. Yeah. Actually, it would have been kind of funny if she was like worrying and then like further down the dock, like he climbs out and he, he just maybe like shook himself off or something like yeah. that. And then I, you know. I do like the scene where they're both their hands come up out of the, dock yeah, the that was, outside. that was nice. Yeah. I right. like that. Yeah, and it was good. I mean, I guess it might have been, you know, we're 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 sort of acknowledging the uh, the fact that this was this movie was written by a woman, you know, and you have such a strong female character. It might have 
it might have taken something away from her character because because what probably would have happened in again in, in like a textbook version of this movie is she would have got she would have dove after him she would have done something to save his life mm-hmm. um either you, you know or whatever and then she would have and then she would have like almost drowned and he would have had to rescue her and then you know give her cpr or something and and she'd yeah. be okay but like yeah. but like this way she's pulling herself out um she's overcome her fear and she's and and even though even though he was actually fine she still it doesn't cha- it doesn't lessen lessen what how much courage it took to go in after him no um, yeah. exactly but it's just it's just an inter- it's just an, a really interesting moment that i feel like says a lot about the film as a whole or whatever yep yeah, yeah. So we then get uh, Charlie and B. Uh, they're now by the Golden Gate Bridge. Uh, Charlie tells him that where he's going, obviously she can't follow because she has a family, and yeah, he, and she, he wants her to, but yeah, but uh, you know, it essentially comes down to you know, we know we need to part ways. I'll always miss you. That you know, you help me, you help me come out of what what I had with my depression and I'll never forget you. Um, you yeah. You like it, it's, find it's, yourself it's, again. Yes. Well, yeah. Well, I, I, I wouldn't mind actually saying the actual lines here is, um, um, and he, he first says in radio voice, thank you so much for giving me my voice. Mm-hmm. And then she says, thank you for making me feel like me again. Yeah. I will never forget you. Goodbye, Bumblebee. And then don't you forget about me, place. Yeah. <laughs> and it's good. And I cried. <laughs> and then Bumblebee scans a Camaro and she gets mad that she could have done that. <laughs> yeah. I like the I like the Volkswagen Beetle better. <laughs> yeah. And then and then he goes off to fulfill the, the Witwicky prophecy. Um, <laughs> uh. But yeah, and also we see Optimus here. Like he, he rides up next to Optimus in his like Semi truck form, and it's so good to see. Uh, I love it. Yes, and he's the and he's the flat nose freight liner. Yeah. And again, like I said, like they kept they changed from going from prequel to reboot here, but originally that was going to be like it was supposed to just be a nod. It wasn't supposed to be yeah. Optimus. Yeah. No, but then so then we get Charlie back with her family. Um, you know, the, there's police sort of cordoning off the house, but her family's inside. You know, she goes, they're they're relieved that she's okay. Um, Memo's there. He's you know he's hurt his arm, and uh, they they have like a little moment. He goes to try and hold her hand. She's like, no, I'm I'm not ready for that yet. <laughs> no, we're, we're not we're not we're not there yet. We're not there, not there yet. Yeah, um, I, I also like how she says to Ron, like, nice driving out there. Like, she acknowledges Ron. It's yeah. good. Like, yeah. It's a nice, it's a nice growth that we've seen over the, over the course no, of like, the movie. See, the, okay, so, um, we, we still have a bit more in the movie to go. It's mostly just, like, finishing stuff up where, like, we see, mm-hmm. um, Bumblebee say to Optimus, like, my name is Bumblebee and the the word Bumblebee is in Charlie's voice. And that's really good. And then there's like, it shows, it shows her finishing the Corvette and yes. that, that scene also made me cry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but what I, I'm going to notice on multiple views of this movie is that this has the exact same story beats as a 2007 Transformers movie. It's just done yeah. like way better. Right. Where it's like, it's a, ki- yeah. it's a kid who's like, 
coming of age, about to get their first car. They get Bumblebee. It turns out that he's a giant robot. Um, and they have to save, you know, she has to do something to help save the world. With Sam, it's like he just puts a cube up to Megatron's chest. In this, she actually does something that, like, only she could do, like you mentioned, yeah. Kendall. Yeah. And, like, like it's just, and it has, like, it has, like, a, it has an emotional arc. Like, it, like, I know that these are basic movie things, but they're basic <laughs> movie things the other movies didn't do. So it's so refreshing yeah. to see it in this. Mm-hmm. And, like, um... I also like how you mentioned Charlie's a mechanic and that's really cool. Lindsay Ellis in her um, uh, video series about the Transformers points out that like, um, I can't remember the character's name, but the, uh, the girl in the first movies. Um, oh, um, I can't remember the actress's name. Megan, Megan Fox, Fox is the actress. She, she's a mechanic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, she actually has a tie to cars and everything like, she she could have easily been the main character of the first movie. I don't I, I think the whoever wrote this saw the same thing and was like, yeah, let's just make like her the main character and also make her like more fleshed out. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, and not just I can be like it's it's yeah. I, I and, and you know, memo Sam, but also better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So so you you actually said something it's very similar to the pitch that I was giving about this movie to everybody that I talked to about it. I'd be like, I saw Bumblebee the other day. It's and the pitch for this movie is what if we made a Transformers movie, but like made it good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and it's like because it is it's a very it's a very like like textbook like store story beats are, you know, nothing it, Aside from aside from a handful, those handful of times where where like every other movie would have this happen and they have something slight a, a, a twist on that happen mm-hmm. um, and, and and sort of being aware of things that happen in movies that tend to be a little bit a little bit sexist or a little bit contrived or, you know, people act like people don't people don't really act like this is I mean, this is pretty it's the stuff that I love about when movies can do this. Uh, I feel like I just saw yesterday the the movie about the guy that uh, is the only guy that can remember Beatles music, and it, and it had a yes. lot of similar moments where mm-hmm. where it's like you would expect you would ex- in most movies you would expect this character to act one way, and and in, and in this movie they act more like a real person, and that's kind of how this that's kind of how how Bumblebee was. Just like everybody, you know, you don't have you don't have a family who is whose parents are, are passive aggressive and neglectful and abusive or whatever. Um, you, you, or, or just like one note, like every one of these characters is doing their best is acting like a real person, except for the mean girls characters, which are, you know, just, which are just there in two brief scenes for comic relief. <laughs> yeah. And actually it's funny too, because we've, we've got this movie that's based in the eighties. And in my mind, after watching, like in hindsight, when I thought back on it, after I finished watching it, this is very much the format that this type of a movie in the eighties would have followed. Um, like from like the alien, like this is an alien that shows up on earth. So that's very, very much like ET esque in that respect. Um, the story beats with like the friends and whatnot with, with Charlie and memo. That's definitely something that you would have seen in like the breakfast club or something along those lines. Uh, 
And then you have like the actiony sort of stuff that you would have seen in like an action movie of that time in a way. Um, but it also adds something to it because we're seeing, you know, something that's a bit outside of the norm. We've got Charlie who, like we all said, is this character who is very like, she's not there just as sort of like a set piece. Like she's the, like at the end, she's the only one that could do what needed to be done. And it's very, it fit a lot of really good pieces. And I felt like it was, you know, it's the sort of thing that was, yes, it, maybe it was a bit formulaic, but they just, it's formulaic in, a, in the, in the good sense of it. Like you never, you, I never felt watching it that it was bad. Like I, I didn't have with, with like the Michael Bay transformer movies, some of the some of the humor and some of the, the way that some of the stuff was handled left a bad taste in my mouth. With this, it was like they took the skeleton of the Michael Bay movie and like Emily, like you had said, if we had uh, the Megan Fox character, if the movie had been from her perspective. Yeah, I thought it worked really, really well. And it didn't like, you know, uh, clutter it with all these like characters that don't really need to be there, like the Australian yeah. hacker lady and the, you know, the the one guy who's a you know, a kid who's a hacker. Like they didn't they none of that needed to be in the first movie. And they no. they knew that in this movie. They just made it like, yeah, they trimmed the fat and it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, also, just, just to like just I had to, I got to do it. I got to queer it up a little bit. Charlie's gay. I'm a, she's either gay or ace or both. <laughs> She shows no interest to any male in any of in any part of his movie. I'm not. It's a head I'm not. I'm not saying it isn't. It's it's hard canon, but she's gay. <laughs> <laughs> but overall, I think like this movie hit a lot of the things that I wish we had gotten with the first Transformers movies. Um, whether it was like that nostalgia with seeing the old G1 designs or, you know, the humor wasn't too lowbrow and it didn't feel like it didn't feel like the story was dumbed down. Yeah. It had a sense of sincerity. Yes. That the other movies did not have. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, it, I felt like a lot of the, the humor, um, was smart humor or it was humor that, you know, you might have been thinking in your head, like with the, they're literally called Decepticons. That <laughs> that sort of thing is like, it, it makes you feel like, you know, I was thinking the same thing. I'm glad they're acknowledging it, and it's not treating the audience or the viewer like they have no idea what's going on. Yeah. Like the, it, it's it seemed to respect the viewer's intelligence. Mm-hmm. So I I really that was one of the things that I really enjoyed about that movie. I'm very much looking forward to the next Transformers movie. If it's, I, if, I hope they get her to write it again. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, the, I'm so, not saying another writer couldn't do a good movie. I just, <laughs> I trust her now. So it's like, <laughs> well, so she is, she's sort of on staff with, uh, the, the company, like that, um, that production company. Now she sort of works in the writer's room, I guess. Okay. And, she had um, 
I guess she's had three films on what they refer to as the blacklist, which is these scripts were good enough to be movies. It's just that they never got around to being made, which is, is supposed to be like a really good honor for a writer to, to say that they're on the blacklist. Like that shows that they're that they're accomplished and that a studio has acknowledged that they did give good work. But for some whatever reason, the movie just never got made. I'm back. So, yeah. Just uh, say her name one more time. Christina Hodson was the writer because I keep saying yeah. her, and I feel bad about that. She needs to get recognized. <laughs> so uh, I I stepped away right when Emily was saying that uh, that she that Charlie was gay. Um, I I think that of all of the characters in all of uh, in all of television and movies that people have a headcanon where they are gay. Uh, this is one of the most likely ones to be true. Mm-hmm. I think I think that there's a strong argument to be made. I, I think that kind of the point of the movie is that it doesn't matter that like she's true, yeah. that yeah. she's she's got more important things to worry about than boys. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I think I think definitely she could go to college and end up with a girlfriend. Yeah. In which case yeah, I can see. really relate to to memo. <laughs> the number of girls that I was into when I was 18 that. Uh, turned out the biggest thing we had in common was that we were both into girls. That was, uh, yeah, that was a thing. Oh. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. so yeah, that's the Bumblebee movie. Um, for anybody who is familiar with the way the podcast works, um, so normally we would have like a news post, but we don't really have any news that we can really talk about right now. A, because I didn't research anything and B, nobody sent anything. In. Also, like we're not we like, an, we're, we're, we well, I'm, not saying, a, I'm not saying we're never going to make another episode again, but like, no. it's not like we're a regular thing. We don't need to have a yeah. news post. Yeah. <laughs> and we didn't exactly like, we didn't give a too lot far ahead. So yeah. we, we couldn't give, uh, cause the EK sometimes would give us news posts and nice snap, but mm-hmm. we really didn't have the time to give them, uh, give her a heads up. And I'd, yeah. I'd feel bad, like expecting it. <laughs> oh yeah. But we do have some questions, right? We, yeah, do. we did get, we did get some yeah, questions. We, did, we put the call out for some questions. So we do Let's have get those done so I can eat dinner. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's July 4th. Anyway, when we're recording this, I feel really bad for, Kendall and Jordan because they're taking time out of their holiday to to be here for this when they could be watching fireworks yeah. or doing other things. It's okay. So usually what happens is I forget about the fireworks and then stumble out down the street on a walk and there's fireworks everywhere. So it's not, yeah, we might I might still be able to catch the end. Oh good. Yeah, and I okay. usually spend the day inside listening to a lot of popping sounds outside. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, also, sometimes I look out the window. Also, there will be assholes <laughs> put it, setting off fireworks for the next uh, for the next week every night. Yeah, uh, see, I, I was thinking about it. And I th- the thing is, is that it's a well-known USA fact that if everyone sees the, the firework that you set off, you get a wish. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and like as far as I'm concerned, I didn't get to enjoy Canada Day fireworks as my uh, partner had to go to sleep early. So, fuck you guys. <laughs> so let's get those questions rattled off. Yeah. All right. So first, we got from keeps forgetting to book packs plane tickets at with Sararu. Hi, yeah, Gwen. Yay. <laughs> uh, what is your best of the '80s song list for your movie set in the '80s? I mean, this movie kind of nailed it. I mean, I, if I would yeah. add anything, it would be like 
flock of seagulls, the cure, <laughs> maybe some like uh, s- some like uh, she blinded me with science kind of music. What was that like? Boingo, boingo. Yeah, like or like whip it or like whatever. But like for what it, it pretty much had everything I wanted. So I think Africa is the is the one song missing. I was actually yeah. I forgot about the Breakfast Club stuff, so I was gonna say, "Don't you forget about me," uh, but that's like <laughs> the main theme of the yeah. whole thing. Uh, I also I also like if if I was honestly if I was gonna make an a Transformers movie set in the eighties, I would just use the soundtrack to the animated uh, the eighties Transformers movie. Like I know there's a little bit of Stan Bush, a little bit of like nods to it, but I would just like full on. 100%. Go full on yeah. Stan Bush, Weird Al. And... Weird Al, yeah, but yeah. dare to be stupid. Yeah, I'm honestly, um, I couldn't tell you a lot of specific ones, cause I, but I would definitely use like soundtracks of a lot of 80s movies because those. that's what I grew up on. Uh, mm-hmm. One I could think of that might work is uh, The Wedding Singer, which was also an 80s like nostalgia bomb movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. And a lot, and I like, I have the, I somehow got for free the the soundtrack uh cd of it and oh nice. it, it became it basically became something that i actually kept around because it was like wow this is actually a nice nicely done like cd for the you know of like sampling of uh 80 songs and remakes and stuff he's yeah. losing his mind and i'm reaping <laughs> all the benefits <laughs> uh, that's, um, that's like the best I, Adam Sandler movie. I, think. I don't know if I have a, a an '80s playlist per se, um, but there's one. Anytime I think about my childhood and in the '80s, um, I remember watching a movie called Rad, and it's probably it's probably a movie that there aren't a lot of people that are listening to this are going to be any way familiar with. It's like about this. This is it about BMX biking? Yes. I remember that. And there's that one and, song. And the dirt from that. Bike I know that movie. Yes. Yeah. But there is one song from that movie that I have like I fell in love with that song. And it, Kendall, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but it's uh it's called Send Me an Angel. Uh and the band that did it was uh called Real Life. Okay. Okay, and, I, I know what song you mean, actually. Yeah, it, it's a really good song, and actually it's 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 up there, it's one of those songs that's sort of like my wife and I. It, it's almost like our song. Um, there's, mm-hmm. we have a couple of those songs, but that's one of them. Like when I, the first time that she ever listened to it was with me. And so she's like, that was a really nice song. I'm like, yeah, I really like that song. So, you know, that was one of those nice little connecting things. So, um, so, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll turn this question on its ear, uh, because mm-hmm. I have an answer to a similar question. If, uh, if they made a movie about you finding a, 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 transformer or alien or something when you were in your late teens early 20s like a coming of age type uh almost indie film type thing is there a movie soundtrack that exists that would that would fit well with that like that would be perfect with that because for me it's the juno soundtrack (laughs) um well see me in my late teens early 20s would have been late 90s early 2000s so oh there, there's like a lot of directions that it could go if, if it if it yeah if it caught me in my like late teens early 20s i i'd unfortunately be the most 
the most pop of pop and it would be smash mouth i would just it would just be there it would just be astroturf i mean I think it, for it, me, would, it would just be the Shrek soundtrack. Like, yeah. No, no. I, uh, well, that's yeah. See, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for like a movie soundtrack that would that you would identify with. Yeah. So maybe like the I, Mystery I would, Men soundtrack. Have... Oh yeah, maybe the Mystery Men soundtrack would work. Ooh, yeah, that'd be good. But yeah, <laughs> but I I more like think it would be AstroTurf because like it's got Who's There on it and uh, a lot of other songs that I just honestly played a lot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when i had that when i you know was growing up so, then. so that's the name of the uh, smash mouth album i think it was astro turf like uh, or astro yeah. lounge uh, astro lounge yeah it's the one that basically everyone has yeah okay <laughs> um i think for me kendall it'd probably be uh emily will know about this but the like there was a there's a music state like it's sort of like an mt the equivalent up here in canada uh, and they used to come out with Watch a compilation yeah, they used to, to come out with compilation CDs. One was much dance, which was like all dance music. But then they right. also had Big then they also teams. exactly. I would probably take one of the one of those. OK, OK. <sighs> Emily, did you have, have an answer. answer? You don't have an answer. OK, next question. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So next question from Cassidy Cosplay. Hey, Cassidy. Hey, Cassidy. Hey, guys. At what is cosplay on Twitter? How fucking cool is Shadow? Her shatter, Decepticon Fembot, and Angela yeah. Bassett, her actress. How weird is it to see John Cena in a film, given his wrestler meme? If I you were Cyber- see him. I didn't see him once in the film, so... <laughs> if you were Cybertronians, what would your 80s alt-modes alt be, and what's your bug aesthetic? So, I wanted to say that uh, Angela Bassett is actually a really uh, great actress. Like, I've seen yeah. her... Like, she's she was in Black Panther. She was uh, the queen. Yes. Uh, but oh, yeah, like that's that's the most recent thing I think uh, she's been in. But I've seen her like I I haven't watched the latest, but uh, I've seen her in American Horror Story. Like she's she got, came in around uh, the second or third season, I think. I think it might have been the third. I think I she, she was definitely in Coven. And I can't <clears throat> remember if that's the third or se- second, but uh but she's she became a recurring character and she is really good at that show, like whatever character she plays in it, because because mm-hmm. of the format of that show. But she's always been one of the best parts of that series. Yeah, I've always found her to be a really good actress. And I found that Shatter was a really good character. And to be perfectly honest, I found that Shatter was almost too good of a character for this. Yeah. movie. Yeah, she she was definitely the best villain these films have seen. Oh gosh, yeah. Like I really liked her. Yeah. Uh, as for the John Cena thing, as I said earlier, I don't see him, but I did see John Burns a lot. Uh, I was not surprised to see John Cena in this movie. Um, like he he, I think he's done a he did a couple of movies before this. Um, yeah, he had, the, he had the whole he had a movie series about called like the Marine or something yeah. like that. Yeah, those were those were WWE produced ones. Um, but he he's done a few other ones. Um, there was one where he played the dad. What's that YouTube personality that he was like this wacky kid with this high pitched voice? They made like a movie or two. Fred, um, was yes, Fred. Like- that's what it was. Um, he played Fred's dad in those movies. He was also in uh, Cock Blockers. It's not actually called yes. that, but you know. Yeah. That's what it um, is. <laughs> but seeing him in this, like, it, it wasn't, like, I, I follow wrestling a little bit, so it was not surprising to see him in this. And it was 
nice to actually see him in a not goody two shoes role because that's the thing that he is known for in wrestling is he's the face. He was the face of the company for like 15 years. They wouldn't let him play the bad guy because he had to be the face of the company. So it was kind of refreshing to see him get to play a bit of a jerk. But at the same time, I almost feel like if the twist with him at the end, like letting them go, I almost wish that he had a stated dick, but overall, I I think he did okay. I think it would have been nice if he actually, like, like Kendall mentioned, like he never acted like he knew Bumblebee from before. Yeah, I think if the if that that was like somehow integrated a little bit, even like even part of his turnaround was that oh, this is from before, and like oh, now that I think about it, he wasn't attacking back until that one, one uh, you know, one. Yeah. came back or that that the other robot showed up you know like something something like that where like as part part of it w- would be kind of neat but i don't know i mean like he seemed to he, he seemed to do okay you know what actually why not have been a bad bit of synergy it, because when b is like towards the first part of the movie when b is like really damaged and John Cena's character has, like, he's stuck in a car. The car has been flipped. He's really hurt. Like, the rest of the movie, he's got a scar on his face from it. Mm-hmm. It would have been kind of synergy if he lost his memory uh, of that event and mm-hmm. Bumblebee ah. lost his memory. And then maybe, and like, then, they had a moment, the, the moment where they both remember it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that'd be kind of neat. Yeah. yeah, but the thing is, I mean, I think the thing is... uh Anything, anything that you could that we could have done to given Shatter more screen time, or develop John Cena's story, or had uh, 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 Powell be a better, more you know, like any of those sub, any of those B plots that they could where they could have spent more time to develop those characters would have taken away from the Charlie and Bumblebee yeah. relationship. Yeah, and I'm just yeah. I mean, you because you what you would have had to cut is you probably would have had to cut like either make them shorter or, or, or just completely cut out some of that time in the garage. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, this is really interesting because I'm looking on John Cena's uh, IMDb. I thought I had seen him in more stuff because I don't watch the wrestling. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but he's just, uh, his butt is in train wreck. And, yes. uh, and, and then, um, which I really like, I really like train wreck. And then, yeah, he's been in blockers and daddy's home, which I haven't seen either of those movies. But those are two movies that I saw the preview for a billion times every time I went to a movie uh, yeah. the year before it came out. Yeah, Daddy's Home, I think, was – no, that's 2015. Because 2016, oh. I, there were a couple – it was the, the year I saw 50 movies in theaters. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, the only other thing I remember Cena from besides this, uh, like – and it's not even like movie. It was more like home home video thing. Was the Scooby Doo WWE crossover oh movie, yes. and I didn't even see the whole thing, but I saw some major scenes scene. with Cena, and I'm like, this is hilarious. But he didn't really talk much because he got knocked unconscious and used as a surfboard by Shaggy and Scooby. Okay, so. Daddy's Home oh Two, Daddy's Home Two was 2017, <laughs> so uh, that's probably I saw the preview for Daddy's Home Two yeah. a million times. I ever seen advertisements for blockers. for blockers on TV like constantly. Yeah, yeah. I thought it looked bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was bad. I had, I haven't seen it either, but I'm pretty sure it was bad. Uh, 
But, you know, whatever. I'm trying to He's see supposed to be in the next Fast and Furious movie, too. Or, That's... sorry, not not the spinoff with The Rock, but the actual next franchise yes. Fast and Furious. Yes, of course. he's in Fast and Furious 9. Yeah. Um, okay, next question, right? We're on the next question. Well, right? or did, did we, we go over our Cybertronian alt forms in oh, the 80s? Oh, okay. uh, for me, uh, mid-80s Trans Am. Um, I'm totally going to be Knight Rider. <laughs> uh, as... For me, I totally would be a boombox because I had one of those big boomboxes. Uh, I mean, it was left over from the 80s and I mostly grew up late 80s, 90s. But yeah, I would I would I would go with boombox. I don't well, know if I would get cassette tapes, but I would hope so. Well, if you can be a boombox, then I would be a guitar amp. Yeah. Oh, that, and then I'd one. have like a and then I'd have like a, a, a an angsty 16 year old partner who would plug <laughs> his guitar into me. and It'd be awesome. If, it, if this was the 90s, I would be a talk boy. Like, he'd be ba- <laughs> he'd be really bad at guitar until he found me, and then he, like, plugs his guitar <laughs> in, and, like, I make him sound You make amazing. him sound... Oh, so you're his auto-tuner. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but it's the 80s, so that's, that's like, uh, that's, like, a big deal. That's a new thing. All but right. that would be your, your... That would be your, uh, Autobot name, and, and no, then, and no, and then no one would know what that film, was at the first... And at the end of the film, he'd accidentally plug his guitar into the wrong amp and he'd still play a perfect solo because it was the talent was within him all along. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, I, I would be uh, this kind of little moped thing, but pink. And I, I just be a little unassuming moped thing that, that just didn't really fight and just just kind of chilled out on Earth and. Was a cool moped. <laughs> you know, there, there's a GoBot called Scooter, who's oh, yes, like a little is. scooter. Yeah. So I guess I'd be that, but like, not even like part of one of the GoBots. Just I just chill, have a human companion. <laughs> would you be? Would you aim for maybe being like that Vespa from uh, from FLCO, or just more unassuming? I don't want to be an FLCO. That shit's crazy. <laughs> oh, just checking. <laughs> no, no. Um, as far as like a like what my bug type would be, yeah. <laughs> um, gosh, I don't know. You know what I would I would be would be like yeah. You guys seen Turtles two? Yes. Yes. Well, like like that's a '90s movie, so it's a little off. But like you know how he he's like a police delivery guy in the beginning, but he has a little scooter. I'd be that scooter. I'd oh, be able okay. To scooter. okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. What's my bug aesthetic? Hmm. I don't even know what, what that, that means. Mean? Like, what kind of bug am yeah. I? Either that or bugs you like, or like what kind of bugs you you like designs you kind of enjoy. Because that's when someone you says mean, like, this the is car or like insects. No, no, like well, uh, insect. Oh, because I was say, he's bumblebee is why the yeah. question is. Yeah, apt. I'm glad. That, I'm glad though that they asked bug because then I could say spiders and and go with like all the cool like. uh Black Arachnia or some of the other spider bots. My bug aesthetic is Galvantula. Oh, that's a good one. I love Galvantula so much. Um, like actual fuzzy, do actual fuzzy Tarantula kind of things there, or does it have to be the? No, it has animated? to be a cartoon one because I fucking hate actual okay. spiders. <laughs> um, probably for me, is it like is it a rhino beetle, the one with a really big? Sort Rhino of, or stag beetles are the ones yeah. that have those big horns, yeah. like things. Probably something like that for me. Beetles are pretty cool. Beetles are, are an okay bug. I just, I just really don't like bugs. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> well, that's fine. Uh, 
I mean, I guess, I guess, uh, oh, I had one and I forgot it. Oh. I don't like bugs. I, I would, I don't have a bug aesthetic. I would. Well, see, that's why I, that's why I chose a Pokemon. Because, like, (laughs) at least Pokemon bugs can be good. I don't like most Pokemon bugs either, but Galantula is awesome. Joltik's cute, too. Joltik's awesome, too. It's tiny. It's the tiniest Pokemon. Yeah. Compared to the size, it's crazy. That's okay. I'll just, I will just not commit. Next question. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then Jasmine March. Hi, Jasmine. Hey, Hey, Jazz. Uh, How would you design green energy device into a combiner? Uh, solar panels, wind turbines, and the like. So it's, I'm guessing they ask like an actual combiner robot. So it's multiple parts that turn into the robot. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's there's this neat uh thing I saw going around on like you know those Facebook movies or online or something where there was this uh teles like flower petalish telescoping uh solar panel thing where like. It, it pops up and then then like uh, unravels a circle of solar paddles and then it turns and it turns facing the sun for most of the day. Mm-hmm. Like I could imagine that being part of it. Okay. Um, I I thought about this and I thought I'm not sure if I could do it as a combiner, but I could do it as sort of like a city. Well, not so much a city, but sort of like Metroplex esque almost. Um, where it was like this energy facility where it's like. A building with solar panels and then it's got a couple of wind turbines on it but then it would also be on the water so it would have like these hydro turbines as well so the arms would be the wind turbines the body and the head would be this building with solar panels on it and then the legs would be like the turbine so it have wheels for for like feet or legs so sort of some, some like that maybe yeah I, I that was the other thing i like having like a huge city metroplex style kind of solar powered city robot might actually be a better way of doing it. Yeah. So solar powered combiner, uh, what I, what comes to mind is the, uh, power Rangers Megazord. <laughs> yeah. Yep, well, there you go. When the sun gets, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, for a combiner, I don't really know what I would do, but like, I like the idea of, uh, just a wind turbine on its own being this like really lanky stick, like transformer. Yeah. With like a big like saw weapon being its propeller, yeah, or it could have its cool. propeller to fly. Mm-hmm. It could do that too. It could be both a weapon and being used to fly. You know, transformers can go crazy. Right, like right. there's a certain there's mm-hmm. a certain certain dinosaur that had that same thing too. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> Dinobot mm-hmm. is the joke. <laughs> All right, cool. Next question. And the final question we have is from K. Merrillith. Parentheses, Sargata- oh. ah, Sargatonis. Wait, which... wait, don't we have don't we have one from Rhea? Oh yes, we do have one we from did? Rhea on Facebook. Oh, as well. I'm sorry. I That's that okay, I've afterwards. got it pulled up. Thank you. Do you oh, want to do Rhea's yeah, version? Go ahead, no, go ahead with the okay. go ahead with yours, Jordan. But K Mare Lift, which is at Mike Loves Rabbit. Which is oh, my Mike. boyfriend Michael. Mm-hmm. I love you. Mike from TWA. Yeah. What are your uh, what are each of your most and least favorite things that have happened with the Transformers franchise since you all last recorded? Since we last recorded, I want to say that this movie has probably been one of the my favorite things since we last recorded because it wasn't out yet when when we last recorded. Um, it came out the December after we f- did our last episode. Um, 
I know one of my favorites has been the the comics. The stuff yeah. that they've been doing, the work they've been doing, all that has actually been really nice. Um, yeah, the, I'm not uh, sure about least favorite though. Yeah. Oh, well, I'll be honest, I haven't been track keeping track of stuff that's happened since we last recorded <laughs> because, like, I've been I've been in, I've been engaging with Transformers Media, but it's been like stuff that happened while we were recording. Like, I started, I recently started watching Robots in the Skies, which I like. Yeah, I like strong arm a lot. What's your favorite and least favorite thing that you've consumed or that you've attempted to consume of, of Transformers content since? God, I mean, I can't think of a least favorite. It's a problem then. Cause I, again, I like robots in disguise. I like this movie. I like, I didn't like last night, but that was like way, we did that. That came right. out. Like and we even tried to make an episode of that. We well, don't yeah. talk about the last night. <laughs> yeah. So like, <laughs> I don't know what, what my least would be. I, yeah. But yeah, like, like, I like all the things I've seen so far. Like, I even um, gave uh, uh, Cyberverse, the latest series, a little bit of a look-see. Like, I haven't watched a lot of it, but I watched a couple of episodes, and I was fine with that. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't call it a least favorite. Um, I guess my least favorite thing of the franchise is I found some of the toys, like the Cyberverse toys. Um, I'm just finding that they're so cheap-looking now. Yeah. Oh, that, that's a good thing. Like, I've heard... Sorry. No, uh, I was going to say that I did hear, like, they're... They are trying to make them more uh, mass-produced kind of thing and, and, yeah. easier, and easier out. So that that probably would cause a dip in quality of the toy themselves, huh? Yeah. So so the like the power of the primes, like that sort of that line um, mm-hmm. had a lot of like the sort of mid-range stuff that was like like twenty dollars for a figure and the figure mm-hmm. looks pretty good. I got a, a star mm-hmm. scream of that. I think that was around that was toward the end of War and Beast because I would I didn't like Star Scream until toward the end of War and Beast. Um yeah. I I actually uh from one of the later things I got a hot rod headmaster character. Yeah, but uh nice. but I will I will agree with uh I will agree with, with Greg that I tried to find because I don't buy a lot of, of of uh, Transformers figures, but mm-hmm. after seeing Bumblebee, I wanted a good figure of Bumblebee that transformed into the into the bug, and uh, <laughs> and it didn't like they they had one that was like a little bit too expensive, and then they had one that was like that was like the right price, but I didn't like, and then they had uh, like ten and twenty dollar ones of him transforming into the Camaro that looked fine, but they were him transforming into the Camaro. So that's yeah. like my least favorite thing. Um, yeah. I remember seeing on the article about the film on the wiki that it, they also had, because, because of the late transfer, uh, there was some design changes on Bumblebee that didn't make it to some, to the toys as well. So there was actually like some small differences, like the car, car being wings kind of thing. Mm. Um, I yeah, will say I, that. I will say that my favorite thing has been the rebooted Transformers comic that started. Uh, I think it started in about April or May. It's twice mm-hmm. monthly, which all of my comics are too many times monthly, so <laughs> it's hard to keep up. But um, it's re it's really good. It takes place before the war, all on Cybertron. It's not you know not flashbacks or anything. It is this is. It is it is the like the earliest possible time. You know, it's Orion Pax. There's no such thing as Decepticons. They're called Ascenticons. Um, mm-hmm. 
and there was like a war before like a long time ago but it's been it's been peaceful for like hundreds of years or thousands of years or something like that and you and it's it's a world where everyone is immortal basically so death is very rare and then it starts out with and also there's no crime and it starts out with a murder and there hasn't been a murder in however long and just sort of them them dealing with that and then there's also a because everybody's immortal they have a rule where they're they don't make very many new people um and there's a and so when there is a new person then it's a big deal and that's a that's sort of your point of view character for the first few issues and then stuff happens and stuff happens but uh it's just like the comics don't deserve to be this good. Like the art is pretty good. Usually <laughs> IDW art is terrible. Um, the, the writing, you know, it's licensed work. So usually r- licensed stuff is, is not great. It's usually super fan servicey and referencing whatever. Uh, but with the IDW transformer stuff, they're like, no, we're just going to create the most complicated lore possible. And I mean, it's, it's written well enough so you can follow it if you read it. And and the the relaunch has been particularly good because it doesn't expect you to have re- have read all of the Optimus Prime series and the all the other series um, the way that like the way that like the Unicron uh, mini did, uh, but but yeah the, the the relaunch has just been like it's and it's just it's it's everything that I it's everything I ever wanted like it's this you know this thing that is made for a thirty year old to read. <laughs> I, I, I guess, like, if I'm going to say the worst, you guys talked about toys for a bit. Because I have been enjoying Transformers, Robots in Disguise, I looked up, like, a strong arm toy. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it didn't look very good. Like, one thing that that really irked me was, like, one of the most prominent things about strong arm's design is her, like, blue lips. They're, it's, like, pretty important to how her face looks. And her lips are just silver in a toy uh, and it's like what well, i guess i'll buy paint <laughs> and like fix their <laughs> lips because like it doesn't look right like it doesn't look like strong arm like i don't know yeah well there's that all one right. I, so, I think we got all of that for so, that one okay so now oh, yes so Rhea's Rhea's question. question so Rhea asks uh first off she says not sure if i'm late or not no you are not um, who would you most want to see not Beast Wars exclusive uh, get a movie all about the maid in this fashion? So similar to what we had with Bumblebee. Waspinator. <laughs> honestly, honestly, I would love to see a Waspinator movie where it's like Waspinator telling how how things were from his point of view. Mm-hmm. You know, and so like it's basically uh, an unreliable narration of of some like even just like a normal day of the week would have been kind of, kind of been kind of neat for like a, a short story with Waspinator. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. Starscream. Give me a Starscream movie. That'd be interesting. You would love it. Just have him be like just have him like just get shit on the whole movie. Oh, <laughs> here's here's a question then. If if you're making a Starscream movie, who are you casting as Starscream? Uh, I have no idea. I mean, like Stephen Bloom did a pretty good job in Prime, uh, but I, I I like the screechy Starscream more though. Whoever can yeah. do like, the screechy Starscream voice where it's like Megatron. I mean, 
wasn't Tom Kenny the voice in animated? Oh, Tom Kenny, yeah, there yeah. you go. Because he did, he did a pretty good job. Yeah. He's great. I like Tom Kenny's Starscream a lot. That was my favorite Starscream too. Was the one in animated. He's great. And again, it's just that the whole series. He's just getting shit on the whole movie. Yeah. On the whole series, and it's hilarious and good. And I like, I, I love it. Just having. So, so uh, to Jordan to respond to Jordan's movie, Michael Pena as as Waspinator there. Oh, that'd um, be interesting. Yeah, I mean, so I have two pitches. Mm-hmm. Um, one that would actually probably work as a as a full length movie would be a Tigertron and Air Razor movie. Ooh, um, I think you could you could have them. Because they they sort of uh, they're they're always you know like scouting or whatever you could you could probably figure out a reason for them to be for them to come to Earth like as as a uh, scouts in and you, it could be a period piece or it could not be a period piece um, and and then they you know sort of like this where they they run into a small group of of uh, Decepticons maybe team up with some humans or whatever and fight. Um, I think that that would, you know, that's, that would be interesting. Plus their relationship is, is interesting stuff, but here's my, but here's my real pitch. And actually I think this would work better in like a, as one episode of a like sort of peak television Netflix series of, of transformers rather than, um, rather than a standalone movie, or it could be a sub like a B plot in a standalone movie. Uh, the last issue of the first volume of the Transformers comic from the eighties mm-hmm. is uh, Jordan read this. You, yeah. you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Um, they throw Megatron off of a cliff and in gun form, and okay. the gun when it lands, it bumps his head, so he forgets oh. his memory. Mm-hmm. And basically, this like this like two bit criminal guy has a like a super crazy futuristic gun and he, it's sort of it is actually very similar to this movie like like Megatron doesn't have have memory he does he does uh he does transform at one point I think but like this guy basically uses this gun he's like known in as like the guy with the gun and he mm-hmm. like he's, you know uses it to like become like this crazy crime lord guy um and uh ends up ends up getting his i think he ends up he ends up getting like the revenge that he needed to get or or which wasn't which wasn't as um massive or like deadly as you would think it would be yeah doesn't he owe the guy like 50 bucks yeah like like basically it it was one of those stories where it's like the gun (sighs) got him everything he could and it just made him hollow inside and then he just went and uh paid the guy back and punched him in the face because that's what he felt like he needed to do Mm -hmm. And in the process, and in the process of that, he accidentally throws the gun away, and Megatron's like, "I'm back to normal." Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he drops the gun, and it bumps Megatron on the head again. Because if you know, if you get bumped <laughs> in your head once, and you lose your memory, and then a second time you get it back. But but it was just a very it was a very interesting like sort of, and it wouldn't necessarily have to be Megatron, but it just works well with Megatron because he's a dumb gun. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but you could have you could have some other sort of like a, a, a villain version of this story, I think would, would be really interesting. Soundwave. Oh yeah. Soundwave might be interesting. Mm-hmm. To go oh sound soundwave going with your amp story might actually be kind of cool. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Oh wait, can you imagine if like Soundwave was like that boombox that uh oh uh, oh I was trying to do, do the joke about holding it above your head at uh, underneath a girl's window, but say I think anything. I'm, yeah, like doing something like that. <laughs> That'd be good. <sighs> so I think that is all of our questions. Uh, I think so. Um, normally I would ask if we had anything to plug, but we were plugging a bunch of stuff at the beginning, I think. We've got the plugs out of the way, yeah. Yeah. I um, would like nope. to still mention, uh, my friend's, uh, Twitch stream. Absolutely. The Game, Game Apartment 1C. He's, he does, uh, basically it's a homage, homage to, uh, Game Center CX. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's got this guy on it. Uh, like, I, I, I don't want to say his name wrong so i'm not going to try but you know he usually just plays video games and he's really chill about it and kind of and the idea was like to show the endings of games that people didn't get always get to see and so and so my yeah so my friend's kind of like you know emulating that he's cultivated a really good uh community of friends like just like online and stuff that we sit back and watch and talk and have fun sometimes they do other kinds of fun things too but Mostly, you can find a lot of the stuff on. Uh, I believe the Twitch stream is at G uh, G A one C, and there's actually like probably a lot up already on there. If you want to catch some of the backlogs or anything like that, but awesome. He usually streams also Fridays, so if you got a free moment or anything, you can always probably just drop by, and we'll be there. Nice. Well, yeah, since Jordan got to plug his friend's thing, I'm going to plug my friend's thing. Okay. Yeah, uh, well, I figured since we plugged our own things at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, we'll be we'll be gracious and give, at the very very end if people are nice enough. No, uh, <laughs> my buddy Mike uh, does a show called Games My Mom Found. Uh, they started at the beginning of the year and have not missed a week yet. Um, they play through an entire game. This is a podcast. They you know over the week they play through an entire game and then review it um, every week which I tried to be on one episode and I did not succeed successfully complete golden eye, but luckily a couple other people on the podcast did. And, uh, and they, they, they just, uh, they've got like that sort of energy and optimism that new podcasters, uh, have, but they also, mm-hmm. um, they also are doing it really well. Like they have the, you know, kind of the skills to make a podcast that sounds okay and not be constantly yelling at each other or whatever. Uh, but very good, very comfort, very conversational. Uh, uh, yeah. And they're like I said, consistent. They've got 20 something episodes up already. Uh, so, nice. you know, if you're like me and you've already listened to all the podcasts on the Internet, uh, this is a good one to to jump into. <laughs> em, how about you? Um, I, I give... Well, I mean, there's a certain <laughs> podcast that I'm sure you could mention that. I mean, you mean TWA? Because yeah. I mean, you already mentioned the beginning. I'm on Teenage of Attitude on AudioEntropy.com. Um, you can find other great podcasts there at AudioEntropy, like um, Totally Reprise and um, MSU Complete Me. And two of the members of that, uh, Ashley and Crystal, both have Patreons. Go check those out and give them your fucking money. <laughs> um. Obviously, check out Audio Entropy. We've got a donate link there as well, which helps to uh, pay for the hosting costs of this podcast and many others like it. The um, only other thing I'll mention on Twitch, uh, sadly, I don't have the exact 
address yet. Uh, but there's a really cool uh, person on Twitch. Their name is Shadow Dancer Bob. Uh, they're involved with some stuff with Lenny Pator and Team Four Star. He's a really cool cat. And I say cat because he actually plays a cat in an RPG. So nice. check him out. Uh, he's very cool. Uh, so, yeah, there, there's my plug for somebody. Um, but, yeah, there you go. It's been the reunion episode. Hope it met folks' expectations. We ran a bit longer than I was anticipating, but... <laughs> this is a lot yeah, shorter just... than I was thinking it was going to end up being. Oh, well, did you think it was going to be like five hours? I, I didn't know. I did not know. <laughs> I, I mean, I hoped it would be a little bit shorter than this, but I also I am not surprised at all. <laughs> Look, we I did we, try and push through. I really, really tried. <laughs> we talked for three hours about a 22-minute show. That's true enough. <laughs> so I suppose this is a little bit better. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's been fun. And yeah. for any folks who are listening to this, if you haven't already, please feel free to go back and check out the rest of the episodes. I realized that the first few might be a little, you know, a little hard cause we're just getting our stride. We were just starting out, but it's, it, it turns into something that I cherish to this day. Yeah. And, and uh, I think I speak for all of us when I say that uh, we appreciate the people that continue to support us. Uh, when it was announced that we were going to do this, uh, certainly the the folks that have listened to us for some time uh, getting excited, it meant a lot to me to, to see those reactions. So I very much appreciate it. And who knows, if they make a Bumblebee 2... Maybe we'll do another one. Well, we'll probably do another one. <laughs> Let's face it. We'll probably do another one. Um, but for the time being, we shall say adieu again until you can listen to us once more. Uh, I have been Greg. I've been Emily. I've been Jordan. And I'm Kendall. Let's roll, folks. True, 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 true.